Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is May the 10th of 2023. We are back from our pseudo break uh, from from last week. We didn't actually technically go on break. We talked about we talked about manga anyway, yep. but it was just not as long as we would normally uh, because we had no chapters last week because of Golden Week in Japan. Uh, and we're back. And there's a lot to talk about <laughs> that happened recently. So much. Uh, people who are, are regular listeners will know that, like, I have been talking about, like, oh, Kadansha is coming out with a manga app that's coming out here. Uh, like, realize, like, oh, this is an opportunity to catch up on Eden Zero. I still don't know what the mechanics of it are. And we'll get to that. Uh, but it was going to be releasing on Wednesday, i.e. today. So it was going to be weird. And then, like, fucking Monday night. With no setup, nothing. Viz just announced, hey, we have a new app, you know, or not a new app, but a new uh, subscription model on our Viz app where now you can basically get all the uh, Shokugekan, or I'm I, I mispronouncing it, but you can get basically the other magazine that Viz uh, here kind of translates a lot of the stuff for, featuring mm-hmm. series like Comey Can't Communicate, Call of the Night, Detective Conan. All these things that are now uh, suddenly getting simulpubbed and access to, like, a vault, like you would on the Shonen Jump app. And it's a big vault. Yes. Uh, There's, like, almost everything that Juji Ito uh, has created, almost everything that Rumiko Takahashi uh, has ever created. Uh, Because it's one of the series being simulpubbed, literally all (laughs) 1,100-plus chapters of Detective Conan... (laughs) I... Like the 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 fathoming how much work had to go into translating all that. I know that like Detective Conan was being like uh, published in um, volume form, but I don't think it was anywhere near as close to the thousand plus chapters of it that are out. Uh, so uh, everyone was like, they stealth dropped this to just fucking destroy K manga right before its thing. Uh, who knows if that was an intentional thing or not? They just were like, here it is, it's a new service. And I imagine we'll get quite a lot of use out of it. People have already been recommending series that are available to that on the vault. Certainly series that we can get legally and completely is great when it's for a you know moderate subscription service price. It's $2 um, a month, which is the same as the Jump, jump uh, subscription service model started off as. Yes. Uh, uh, so it's like, yeah, pretty obs- good. Obscenely great price. Then K-Manga came out. And if you follow Twitter at all, you have no doubt, even if you just follow me, I talked about it very briefly. Um, this was a suspicion a lot of people have. This is a model that is used very frequently with like web uh, tunes. And I guess also this the, the like version of this in Japan follows a very similar pricing structure, which is uh, very Microsoft points like... You put money in, you get points out, and you can use points to buy chapters. Usually the first couple chapters of the series are free, uh, but then everything else you have to pay for, some of which you can rent with tickets that you earn daily. I'm not even going to get into that part of it because it's like, oh, do you want to read chapter 30 through 80 of this? They can go for a ticket, and then 80 to 100, you just need to buy uh, those go through different point systems, usually chapters being like 70-ish points, unless they're brand new, in which case they're about 100 points. Um, what that ultimately amounts to is it's not a subscription service. Uh, I will eventually get to this for Eden Zero. I don't have it this week, as it, it literally came out this morning. 
Uh, and there's more to this too, by the way. I, I will get to that. Uh, but I just want to note, I will not be talking about Eden Zero this week. I will try to get to it next week, and I will try to uh, continue to stay on top of it for the show through this legal service. However, this legal service sucks ass. I had intended to use this as an opportunity to also catch up on Fire Force, uh, an opportunity to catch up on Blue Lock, all these things. That's just not going to happen because while I'm okay with spending like five bucks a month or so to read Eden Zero, I'd have to do that for every series I wanted to read that's like on a weekly schedule. So it's not a great system whatsoever yeah uh it's it's unfortunate like uh, i did myself did not have incredibly high hopes for this uh, subscription service that they were going to announce or at least or this uh this platform that they were announcing uh but i kind of was setting my sights on oh it won't be as good as like the jump app is this is essentially the way that it was but worse Yes. When it was available on and a bunch of, you know, sites like Comixology where they had a, you know, a paper chapter kind of model. But so a lot of it is that way. Yes, there are some free chapters you can get, but it also it's just more confusing yes. in order to get stuff. There uh, are multiple tutorials on the opening page as to how tickets. And they're not good tutorials. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like I should not when I open up a manga app and I'm looking at it right now. See a thing floating by that says earn up to 50 points, how to use tickets, how to get points before I see one that says, oh, three plus volume free read. Like that's when I open up a manga app, that's something that I expect to see as an offer. And this is all before you even get to the listing of all the manga that are available. And look, there's a bunch of here that are you know quite popular right now. Rent-A-Girlfriend is on here. Nagatoro's on here. Uh, your boy Kong Ming, for those of you who, you know, are into that weird series <laughs> Vinland Saga Fire Force these are all manga that you know are coming out right now that are very popular they are so hard to see because there's all this information being thrown at you squeezed in into these tiny spaces if you open up either of the Viz apps you look at something there is a big picture associated with it and a title and that is all that there is if you want to know more you tap on it you don't get all this stuff that says oh here's a half the title for some of these longer titled ones because they had to squeeze it in and they have to end it with an ellipses and then how much of it is available to read for free right now and that's it and then there's all this stuff that feels like you're being pressured to buy stuff right now you mentioned fire force wanting to catch up on it earlier there is an a limited time offer for fire force right now where you can read 25 chapters for free i want to know i want to be very ends tomorrow i want to be not only that i want to be very clear about something i read about 90 chapters of fire force through a five dollar subscription on azuki so azuki which is still out there great service like there's a lot of issues with the pay per chapter thing uh it has been proven that you can generally get series for cheaper just buying all of the collected volumes that you would buying all of the individual chapters at this point right right um it's 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 a weird that's thing you, that's how they get you so. yeah uh the the thing that of course a lot of people are talking about or making jokes about is the fact that technically you can get series chapters for free if you just don't mind doing a couple quick little things like watching videos and maybe playing some games, downloading. If you've ever played like a, a shifty mobile game, 
Yeah. You know the ones that are out there, they're like, if you want premium currency, you could download this shifty mobile game and play it to level 13. You'll get some currency. They have that in this app. You can download, I don't know, Top War or whatever and play mm-hmm. it for, you know, 30 levels. I don't know anything about Top War, but you play it for that and then you'll get, I don't know, 60 points or 100 points or whatever. And they also have a free uh, video you could watch. You could watch a video and you'll get a ch- Nick, a chance at a jackpot of 50 points. I got five. I got five. They, they give you three chests at the end. You pick one. It gives you a point total. And then it, I got five. And then it was like, do you want to try again? And I assumed like, oh, this is their gimmick. There's three options. I probably have to kind of watch three to get the 50 jackpot. Nope. Every time you watch it, it's three new chests. Again. <laughs> You'll never know what you're going to get. Uh, so technically, yes, if you're super strapped on cash, you could watch videos to get the hundred or so points that you would need to, to, to get a free chapter. But, um, I don't know. It's, it's very strange. Uh, It's a service. It's like an, an option in there that I, I have no intention of touching. There's also a thing that you could read the, like every day they'll have like, read this chapter and you'll get five points. It's a way to like pull people to the new series. Like Mm -hmm. I think the first one was like attack on Titan. And I don't hate that as a system, but five points is not necessarily worth it unless they're like trying to expand your horizons, which can be great. Um, again, five points. Uh, you it's a good idea. It. It's that is a good idea in theory. I think yeah. you know, like, hey, if you want to read some of the stuff you really want to read, you could check out some of this other stuff, and then once you've read that other stuff, maybe you'll be interested in wanting to spend in order to get stuff for that one instead. Uh-huh. It's, it's an interesting idea, but this stuff of trying to jump through hoops in order to read manga. Like, I would almost just be happier. No, I would be happier if they literally just put everything behind a paywall and yeah. <laughs> pay, pay for it individually. Because then it's like, at least you know what you're getting. You don't have to go through all this trouble of trying to figure this stuff out and try to keep track of three different currency systems, I yeah, think, that they have. tickets, points. Um, I think there might be something else. It's worth noting t- things you purchase with tickets you don't own. You rent them for like three days or something like that. Um, there's just a lot of oddities to it. Um, so I, I, I think a lot of people were expecting it to be like this. And I do want to pull back slightly because I think this, this app is getting reamed, which isn't necessarily oh, yeah. fair. Um, as I said, like the part you dunk on obviously is like this weird gimmicky point system. That's super predatory, which does suck to be very clear. Uh, but I do think there is some value to this service. It's worth noting that a lot of the stuff or some of the stuff that they say they're simul-publishing or kind of advertising are not actually being simul-published. Like yeah. Inland Saga, for example. Yeah. Uh, it has uh, – I don't know if it's AI censorship, but it also is using censorship. So if you're somebody who does not like your manga censored, recognize it's like the same thing. Like as a Square Enix app when that came out. It'll just kind of have like giant blocks. Mm. It also does the same thing to Square Enix app and other apps do where it sometimes splits chapters into two different chapters you have to pay for each uh i haven't explored that too extensively so i don't know how frequently it is i'm sure it's a bigger thing if you're like trying to read an entire series but i don't think that's the value of this app unless you have a lot of disposable income or a lot of time but again if you have a lot of disposable income you'd probably be better off just buying the like the volumes digitally because it's generally going to save you money so um i think we will use it to read in zero 
beyond that, if I was like looking to add something new to the recap, I would probably uh, be more inclined to go look over at the Viz app and see what new options are available there because I, I don't yeah. think this is a sustainable yeah. system. Yeah, if, unfortunately, like if you want us to like read like Fire Force or whatever, then it's uh, not what we're going to use that app yeah. for. So, uh, yeah, it's it's you know, uh, it's disappointing in the sense that like, look, whenever one of these things comes out that has the potential to just expand the number of people who are reading manga on a legal platform, you want it to be good. Uh, and I mean, on top of everything else, it's also region locked to like just North America. Uh, and uh, so that's not good too. Uh, you know, there's a very large uh, English uh, speaking readership for manga that is outside of North America. I know that there's, of course, a huge rights thing involved, but it feels like this is not going to really move the needle very much in terms of how many people are going to actually use it over uh, many other. Uh, means out there of reading stuff. Uh, honestly, oddly enough, it, I think that Nagatoro is probably the best represented series in terms of what you can actually read on this app. Um, and I think that uh, so. And and I saw like it was weirdly enough weird enough when I was uh, checking stuff here. There's like a couple hundred at, uh, thumbs up maybe on some of these really popular series. And then there's over a thousand for Nagatoro. So I think the community for that series was just like, all right, everyone wants it. <laughs> Don't push it. <laughs> um, um, yeah, we got, we got, manga to talk we got tons of manga. Uh, so next week I'll catch up on Ian zero and we'll talk about it. Uh, I guess that's another thing I should do. They have like currently, cause it's brand new special running deals. Um, and then I, after they leave, I don't know what the pricing models. I don't think there's a dollar pricing point after they go away. I like. I think. I, I think the lowest I can spend into the system is five dollars at that point. Yeah, and I don't understand like what the hell is going on. Like I said before, Fire Force has a sale where twenty five chapters are available free. Ends May eleventh. It's May tenth. The app launched today. Why is this going on? <laughs> oh, Nick, this is oh. holy shit! I didn't see this. Uh, I'm going to show you this on my phone. It is literally okay. like a gotcha game opening. I just unlocked right. a free ticket for today. So hot dog! I can't oh, wait. Uh, and uh, this is super exciting. I can't wait. You can read one more free chapter, Quinn. <laughs> yeah, I can read one chapter in the middle of a series for three days, and then it's gone again. <laughs> What if the tickets you can't like stockpile them? It's like, no, you got to use them right now. <laughs> I, it probably is like that. I feel like. <laughs> oh, God. Disappointing. All right. We got to talk about a weird chapter of My Hero Academia, guys. Uh, this is just odd in terms of how it's paced. It does come together, but it's one of those things where it's like, why does it start this way? And then you end the chapter. Oh, that's why it started that way. Uh it's chapter number 387, Congealing, where uh, we open up not with uh, any of the people involved in any of the fights going on right now, uh, but instead, uh, it's, uh, I guess, that one prison that uh, Gentle stopped people from escaping from, where uh, Gettin and Mr. Compress happen to have uh, cells that share a wall, and they're just kind of chatting about stuff. It's very unfortunate if you're Mr. Compressed because Gettin is so cold that his cell, by nature of sharing a wall with it, seems to also be very cold. And I'm like, oh, yeah. that's unfortunate. Yep. 
Uh, he doesn't complain about it, though, so maybe maybe he's like, yeah, that's cool. And it's like, I love the cold. Yeah, it's he's fine. Like, he's like that. Elsa from Frozen. The cold never bothered me anyway. Yeah, and especially she... with this giant gaping wound in my butt. It's fine. What? <laughs> that's how he li- deliberately ripped open his butt. I thought order. you meant Elsa. I was like... Did I see the wrong version of Frozen? Was there a wild, <laughs> like, Frozen X? <laughs> and, like, Marshmallow's like, fuck you, Bob. He threw, like, a shard through Elsa's ass. I'm just like, ah! <laughs> I can't show you, this to my children. The fact that you <laughs> know the name of the giant. Do you want to know why I know the name of the giant snowman, Nick? It's because he's your ally in the Kingdom Hearts 3 Frozen world. <laughs> And that is exclusively why I know his name. You don't get Elsa, you don't get Anna, you get Marshmallow the Snow Giant. And I've you know never what? been happier. It's like, look, we couldn't get any of these voice actors back. So. <laughs> <laughs> what about Josh Gad? What about Josh Gad? <laughs> uh, so, anyway. So, uh, getting talking about um, his blood his 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 Himura blood and how thick it runs because mm-hmm. uh there was presumably incest and inbreeding going on uh in his family line and uh so there are were a lot of people who you know just kind of like had a bunch of branch families and the branch families intermarried because they didn't want to you know dilute the blood of their super powerful ice line and stuff uh and uh you know so he says yeah as a result of that, by insulating themselves from everyone, well, you know, the clan, of course, was doomed to shrink and, and not it, did, it wasn't going very well. Uh, and then eventually the head family started selling off children into marriage, and that basically marked the end of, of the line. Uh, and then, you know, my, all the families kind of scattered, myself included. Redestra found me. Uh, also, uh, with each generation, meta abilities grow more complex. Uh, Blah 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 blah. Quirk singularity. Blah 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 blah. Uh, and then he just is like, "All right, so I told you my whole thing. Well, anything you got? Anything?" And Mr. Chris is like, "I saw. Um, you see the good doctor uh, lately? Uh, you see the? You see those memes about about the guy with the, the face and the stuff? No, you know, you stay off the internet. Okay." Well. That's that's just all I've been doing lately. It's just looking at looking at. I'm sorry. I was thinking of the good doctor again. What was it? <laughs> that's all. Uh, meanwhile, where stuff is happening, uh, Endeavor has heard that his oldest son is going to blow himself the hell up. Uh, so he has gone out with his one arm remaining because it got ripped off in the fighting to try and stop him. And uh, Dobby is just. A full burning skeleton, uh, basically. Uh, he's, he's got really no face left. Uh, and he is just emitting constant fire uh, and uh, screaming, you know, watch me, dad! Ah! So he's doing well. He's doing great. Yep. Uh, and he launches a giant uh, fist made of fire at Endeavor. Uh, which uh, I guess reminds Endeavor when he came up with the technique as a little kid. Uh, so that's nice. Uh, and uh, he just grabs onto Endeavor, who's and like, you've got to stop, you've got to put out the flames, I don't want you to die. 
Uh, but Dobby is just kind of like screaming out to like, you know, random members of his family as if he's like reliving childhood memories. Uh, and Endeavor realizes like there's something, his mind's just gone and this fire is so intense. And yet for some reason, his body still hasn't fallen apart. There's something crazy about him. That's like keeping him together. What is happening? And he looks close because, uh, you know, they're right next to each other and he realizes something, which is that, uh, Dobby's quirk has, uh, evolved, oh. not, not awakened, but evolved. You see, it's different when awakening and evolving are different. This only happens when someone's about to die, basically. Uh, and he realizes that in the cross flame shield that is over Dobby's chest, there is also a patch of ice. He has awakened uh, his mother's quirk, his mother's ice quirk, which is preventing him from burning himself completely out. Uh, and uh, Endeavor's life essentially flashes before his eyes all or rather i guess toya's life flashes before his eyes all the time that they you know spent together and everything that has led up to this moment and there's this visual of like dobby you know but not falling apart burning up dobby kind of like jumping into his arms like they're like playing like a dad and son uh but he's going to explode like he, it's all going to go down and uh, Endeavor says, like, I'm, I'm taking full responsibility for this. Uh, I've got to atone for all the stuff that I've done. And I know you've been watching me all this time and I couldn't be there to watch you. And you were someone I needed to do right by. Uh, so he wraps him up in a bear hug and he says, I'm not going to let you meet, meet your end alone, but I won't let anyone else get caught up in our tragedy. And he starts to shoot fire out of his legs to take off into the sky uh, and he thinks like I can't, you know, cover enough ground enough quickly. So we're just going to go straight up into the sky, so that when he explodes, it'll just be the two of us who get taken out. Uh, but before it can get very high, we get that reminder of what Getin said at the beginning of the chapter that Hiwara blood runs thick, and Ray has appeared, uh, and she is using her ice quirk to cool some stuff down, even as her body is burned up by the very massive flames. She's starting to get scars and stuff right away. Oh no. Well. How did you feel, Nick? Because it wasn't until the end where I was like, oh, Homura must be uh, her. Yeah, she's from the Himura line. Yes. Uh I mean, I there's a couple of nice things that I like about this. I like that we are stressing the importance of Ray's role in, you know, Todoroki's family. Uh mm. not just, you know, the endeavors of fucked up dad. Uh plot point uh it was weird to take the roundabout approach of say of having getting talk about it and then be like oh okay that's why ray was you know sold into into this marriage was because the the family line that getting's talking about it used to be this great thing and it's like all right but also like i guess this means that you know everyone who's got ice powers is part of this family i guess um and it was also a little bit weird. I know that the bunker that the Todorokis were hiding out in uh, was the only one that was in danger of being within the blast radius here. But it is kind of weird that she just showed up <laughs> from there. I assume the rest of the family also theoretically will. Like, they all Possibly. escaped. 
uh, and then they were like, hey, there's that, and uh, Toby, or whatever his actual name is. Toby? But, like, hey. We'll Guys, Toby is Dobby. We <laughs> <laughs> figured Dobby. it out. Toby is Dobby. <laughs> uh, everyone has a secret identity. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't hate it or anything like that. I, I didn't feel a ton from it. Um, I'm kind of excited to see, hopefully, a little bit of a conclusion here. But uh, I said that last time as well. So, yeah. <laughs> who knows? It would be nice to be able to put a capper on one of the many threads going on throughout this massive battle. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that that's kind of one of the things that's been affecting uh, our uh, view of this arc is that nothing's allowed to be resolved <laughs> at all. Even minor battles like this stuff involving Spinner. It's like, so how did that turn out? I don't know. We haven't cut back to that <laughs> since the whole thing with uh, with Kurgiri uh, waking up. Yes. So, I don't know what happened. I don't know either. Um, let's move on. We have so many manga to talk about, so mm. let's uh, cut over to Undead Unlock. This is number 157, Save You, Save Me. It's not that, but uh, it felt appropriate. Uh, we get our annual popularity poll results. Hey, yeah. Fuko's in first. Makes sense. She's become the main character of the series and has been for quite some time now. Uh, yeah. But Andy is, of course, in second. Uh, we get Gina in third, Anna Un in fourth, Shen in fifth, and then one of the more surprising things, Juez in sixth, not that. Uh, Tella is seventh. Everyone loves this gay boy. They're like, this, I love you this, and your boyfriend's right there. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rip is still in there in the top ten. Uh, but I would say beyond Tella being seventh, none of this is truly that surprising to me. Nah. Uh, but I, I am happy for him. He yeah. Looks very, he looks very happy. Yeah, and he doesn't. He looks a little nervous. He, he's like, "This is this is shocking to me, and I don't know how to handle this. Why are you guys pushing me in front?" Uh, but I bet he's happy. He's a little bit blushy right now. He's, uh-huh. he's the center of attention. Uh, yeah, that is definitely the big surprise. I mean, Gina, of course, you know, got a big spotlight uh, in this reset arc. Uh, so yeah, definitely makes sense that she's up there. And Anuun has just kind of always been just a really great character. Uh, yeah. So that too. Uh, so we open up the chapter then with Phil guiding uh, our cast to his room where he's like, hold on, I gotta get some food, wait for me. Uh, Fuko takes a moment to like look through some photos and, you know, is thinking like, I wasn't able to predict this scenario with just the info for the artifacts, there's no air, how's he able to walk? Like, None of this is really making sense. And then she notices that Phil sort of gets hooked into this machine and is being fed that way. And she's like, wait. You have a mechanical body? He's like, yeah, when I was three, I got sick. So my mom put me in this body. She transported my brain and nothing else. So I guess I'm not a robot really, but I I basically am. There's only like 10% of me that's organic tissue at this point. Uh, And just notes, I think that calling me a robot is just fine. Um, Nico is there. I guess Creed and them met back up. uh, And he's like, let me take a look. And he notes that Phil is damaged he has a lot of wounds all across him and he just kind of has a sad look and he's like so your mom do you do you love her and phil's like yeah i love her the most of all well and, but he says it like yeah i love her most of all like just could totally blank face yes. not a lot of facial expressions off the uh these the cyborg kid yes uh he notes that his mom is in the shelter of the second floor in the central tree and if we head to the central area and take the elevator we can get there and she's waiting for help 
Uh, I don't think the shelter is going to be held too much longer because it's being targeted by them. And he notes that he's been doing his best to get rid of some of them, but they're very strong. And it's only a matter of time until the shelter is destroyed. So let's go. I'll teach you how to kill them on the way there or defeat them. So they're floating through the space uh, debris. Phil is just like bouncing off of them like he's a fucking Yu Yu Hakusho character. He's just like, shoo, 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 shoo. Uh, everyone else is like, hold on. We're not really like adjusted to all of this. Um, but it's 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 you know he's he's just got his own little things. Um, in the meantime, Fuko's kind of having this conversation with Nico, where they're like, "So, what do you think these things are? Are they aliens?" And Fuko's like, "Yeah. So, unlike in the previous loop, Galaxy already exists here, so I don't really know. I'm ready for anything at this point." But and then she kind of like pauses and she has a bit of like a heavy expression. And Phil, like, feeling, like, seemingly teleports up to her. I know he just moves very fast, but he's immediately right there. And she's like, whoa, what's up, Phil? And he's like, you're making the same face as mom. And he says, one second. And he pulls out some string from his pocket. And he does the cat's cradle. And he's like, are you happy now? <laughs> My mom gets happy when I, does, when I do this. Are you happy now? <laughs> uh, so go ahead. Stop being sad, basically. Uh, the little scene is interrupted, though, when they show up. It's them. Uh, them being uh, like cute little bug guys, little, little bug dudes. Uh, Creed is immediately like, time for me to get into action. Uh, but Phil's like, no, it won't. That won't work. <laughs> uh, and slams down like a barrier between them. And he's like, yeah, I, I said I'd teach you how to beat them. So as you can see. My body is basically already at its limit, and I think my mom is more likely to survive if I leave the task of saving her to you. Uh, and at that point, two of these things latch on to Phil, and they're like, hurry, we gotta open this! And Phil's trying to, like, you know, or uh, Nico's trying to, like, bring the barrier up, but Phil's like, yeah, so the outer shell on these things can't be, like, pierced with bullets or anything. Their inside's the weak point, and they only expose that when they're about to feed. So that's why I'm letting them try to bite me. And Fuka's like, you can't do this. You're going to die. Why are you going so far? Phil just says, mom told me that she would do anything for the sake of someone she loves. Uh, Nico cracks the door open. Uh, Fuko just laments that she has been a fool here. Uh, they got wrapped up in Phil being a robot and the possibility of him being different from his previous iteration, but all the stupid things that don't matter. The person before my very eyes is risking his life to save his mother. It's Phil. She activates her, you know, bad bullet, uh, and, and just notes that fact alone is enough reason for me to save him. Shoots one of these guys in the face and just says like, Hey, I'm sorry about earlier. Can I borrow your string? You know, let's play a bunch with everybody and take these things down. So they're going to work together, try to take these guys down, Nick. Yeah, uh, it was it was nice to see Fuko, you know, momentarily lose like some resolve just because, you know, she's in an unfamiliar position and unfamiliar positions at this point are kind of uncomfortable for her because she's so used to like just being able to like figure stuff out, figure out what she's got to do right away. Uh, and they're in no man's land at this uh -huh. point in, in this point. So, you know, that gives her some pause. And then she realizes, like, look, I, I don't have time for this. I've got to protect the people that are, that are important to me, including this this small robo kid. Uh, <laughs> I, I, do, I do like Phil uh, in the 
brief amount of time that we're given to kind of get to know him in this chapter uh, is definitely, you know, different from, I think, almost everyone in uh, in Union uh, in terms of that kind of on the surface appearing emotionless, but clearly is not because he's, you know, a sentimental kid who loves his mom uh, aspect. I look forward to seeing them uh, do more and figure and seeing, you know, what he'll get to do on a more permanent basis, because presumably he's not going to just be in a falling apart robot body for the entire rest of the manga. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. Also, these uh, alien things kind of remind me of uh, Star of the Conqueror uh, from uh, DC uh, in the, the, the Suicide Squad. They're yeah, I remember. I don't. They were big starfish. Yeah. These but they bugs. just kind of give you that vibe. Because okay. I know, but they've got, you know, in the way that like they latch onto people and stuff. So. Oh, okay. Uh, I know they resemble something. I can't remember. Is it water bears? Is that the thing they're called now? They kind of look like, oh, fuck, what's the name of that Pokemon? Some Gen 5, maybe Gen 6. Venipede or something like that? It looks a lot like that. I don't know. Yeah, it's got a bit of a, um, what do you call it? Uh, it, 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 they seem like kind of like a type of uh, crustacean, uh, like, uh, okay. a, like a like a not a hermit crab or something like something, a horseshoe crab. It kind of uh. kind of looks like. All right, Gwen, we got to talk about some chainsaw man, double <laughs> chainsaw man. Very briefly, double chainsaw man. That the second one is good is gone very very quickly. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's chapter 129, Save Me Chainsaw Man. The second Chainsaw Man, apparently, uh, gave uh, regular Chainsaw Man, Denji, uh, and Asa time to escape from the Falling Devil. Uh, Asa manages to gain consciousness uh, just in time to kind of see that there is a second Chainsaw Man. Uh, and then they burst out of the door back into the real world, which I thought they might have to just run around inside the abyss while trying to survive the time until they... You know, made it to sunrise, but apparently not. They're back out in, in the in the real world immediately. Uh, a bunch of the kind of swipey scorpion tail things they were attacking Denji in the past, in the previous chapter are attacking them again. Uh, Asa hits the ground, uh, and Denji's not looking so good because he got gored again. He's just been getting beat up a lot. This guy. So Asa sees this, sees that Denji is seemingly gonna die, and Yoru appears once again and says come on kill him this is our chance if you kill him i'll give you your fucking body back you'll get rid of me and uh asa hesitates and yori realizes like you're not gonna do it <laughs> just like, i i just what i felt like i was understanding you you're just doing the opposite of what i say and Asa picks up a uh, bit of uh, a rock or a, a bit of uh, debris and smashes it into her palm in order to cut herself. And she starts letting it drip into Benji's mouth I in order to revive the, him. the panel where she's like, ow, because we also get uh, your, your like, ow! ow! <laughs> uh, and... Uh, Yoru's like, why are you doing that? Why are you saving my moral enemy? Come on! And... <laughs> And Asa says, between that time with Yuko and tonight, Chainsaw Man has saved my life twice now. And besides that, watching Chainsaw Man makes me think that if a piece of trash like him is allowed to keep living, maybe it's okay for me to live too. That's so cute. I mean, 
not the perfect lesson, but it's very cute. She wants to live. Hey, whatever it takes, you know. Yeah. Uh, one of the scorpion tail things extends out of the door, and it's going towards Asa, and she says, just as it's about to strike her, save me, Chainsaw Man. There's a burst of movement, and Denji is up and is leaping through the air with Asa in his arms, uh, like going across the street while these scorpion tails chase after them, smashing through buildings and cars while they try to get away. And as they're running away desperately, Denji says, sorry, I might not be able to save you. <laughs> because, yeah, it looks like they're in trouble. There's scorpion tails that are coming from every freaking direction, uh, burrowing through the floor wherever they appear and stuff. Uh, <laughs> about this moment. So they're desperately trying to get away. Asa spots a woman on a motorcycle and is like, hey, Chainsaw Man, steal that motorcycle, please. And then she says, don't be stupid. I can't steal that, you thief. A woman's riding it. Without missing a beat, Asa just points to a different motorcycle rider and says, well, steal that guy's then. Next panel, kicks the guy off. Beat it. Perfect. No notes. Absolutely brilliant to have no beat between those two moments. Uh, and the guy is like more stunned than hurt, which is amazing considering he got kicked off of a moving motorcycle. But he just kind of, and wasn't wearing a helmet, by the way. Uh, and he says, ow! And then she says, hey, don't blame me! Blame the chick behind me! Alright, uh, can you teach me how to ride this thing? <laughs> Immediately. A scorpion tail's gonna hit them. But Asa, with the fucking clinch moment, declares Super Chainsaw Man Motorcycle. <laughs> and we get a new toy for all the kids at home to bother their parents about. Mommy, can I get the Super Chainsaw Man motorcycle? Only if you get an A in your next report card, honey. Damn. And the freaking motorcycle transforms and now there's a chainsaw running through both wheels. Uh... I, I love the chapter technically ends with the guy who had his bike stolen going, that's my bike? <laughs> Question mark. Uh, and that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> Denji and Asa have a super chainsaw man motorcycle to get away on. I hope that Denji has no realization that the motorcycle is any different. <laughs> just yeah, doesn't pick on I, he doesn't understand how he's driving it. He's just like, cool, my motorcycle. This all makes sense. I guess I'm just awesome. Yep. Uh, yeah, really fun chapter. Loved uh -huh. it. Uh, okay. Uh, we do have a chapter of Kaiju number eight. This, uh, this chapter came out, like, the day after our last full episode, so it counts. We, uh, we're, it does. We it does. Cover it. Right, uh, Nick, uh, this is, uh, uh, Family Feud. I'm here. I'm Steve Harvey. Uh, this, I'm not sure about this answer. I'm gonna go to the judges. They say it counts. All right, we can, yeah. we get to talk about it. It's just like in the very lower lower right corner. It's like I was like, oh, I always forget that the board goes up to eight possible answers. I always was tickled as a child because they never showed you the judges. So in my mind, it was always like a, a law judge, like a guy in a big, uh, like billowy George Washington wig, who was just like mm, goes to the movies. I think is same as seeing a movie. Boom, <laughs> they hit a gavel. <laughs> 
Oh, they had a lot of power in my mind. Um, last time, uh, Kikoru cut through Kaiju number fifteen like ten different times, uh, including cutting her head from her body. And so we open this chapter with number fifteen's head flying through the air, and Kikoru being like, "Okay, that that should be it. They should be finished." But in that moment, they're still connected by the psychic <gasps> link between them. And number 15 goes, Daddy, I got my core destroyed. I can't regenerate. Daddy. Uh, and we get a flashback. A bizarrely depressing flashback. Uh, like with Where it's Kaiju number 15 several months ago, apparently freshly born, having the appearance of little kid Kikoru, but with like black hair and eyes. Uh, and says to Kaiju number nine, who is sitting in a throne, just being like, yep, I'm a dick. Uh, and, and little baby Kikoru number 15 says, do you love me, daddy? And number nine says, I made you to kill Kikoru Shinomiya. So if you become stronger than her, then I'll love you. And uh, immediately starts like setting her up to fight against uh, training dummies that vaguely resemble Kikoru. And whenever number 15 kills one, uh, she's like, do you love me? Uh, if you can master this attack, then yeah, then I'll love you. She masters the attack. I can go kill little Kikoru whenever you like. Do you love... <sighs> this is Just neglectful, abusive dad. It's very <laughs> like, funny. Like, we added a new crime to his list. Like, oh, he's a mean dad to his monster daughter. Like, that he... that Whose sole purpose is to kill one person. Okay. Just... He didn't have to <laughs> fucking make her this way. But he made her, like, human enough to psychologically abuse. Yeah. <laughs> Just so unnecessary. The others don't work this way, it seems like. <laughs> it would be great if we find out, like, the water one's like, Daddy! <laughs> <They're all> just... <laughs> they all have different daddy issues. <laughs> one's like, he never told me you love me. One's like, yeah, and he never let me win <laughs> at Sega. <laughs> yeah, one's like, he really put a lot of expectations for me to follow in his footsteps, which is <laughs> fucked up, because I'm, like, the big head one. I don't have legs, so I... <laughs> Couldn't even follow in his footsteps if I tried. He kept on demanding that I that I you know just go th go on through the the family business, and it's like, look, I'm just a guy with blades for hands. Like, what am I gonna do? Yeah, I beat him in a game of basketball, and he was not cool with that. And now it's just kind of weird between us. Uh, I think he thinks he I'm trying to steal mom from her, which is weird because there's no mom. There is no mom anywhere, but he is he is adamant about this. Uh, he, uh, he he got really mad at me when I came out to him because he said that the only identity I need is to kill the one <laughs> agent that he sent out for kill. <laughs> to kill a random agent from the first division squad, the vice captain or something. I don't even remember. I don't even know their name. Uh, he, never, he honestly was never very specific about that. <laughs> no one really knows who she is. Just someone asked to kill her, apparently. And I'll be honest, I think that's really more of my, my mentality, my issue right now. is like, if you're going to give me a purpose to kill somebody, can you at least let it be like a character with like a, a, a backstory and like a name? And he was like, don't worry, you're going to see a backstory. And I'm like, it's not going to be some stupid shit like she made herself look really cool because she had a crush on a captain or something. And then he just got really silent and kind of left the room. So I feel like I guessed it. And my dad's a dick. <laughs> It just so happens that they happen to be played squared against the one uh, 
the one person in the kaiju fighting corps who uh is also a licensed therapist <laughs> that's defeated. It's like, uh shit i should i should i should become a boxer <laughs> uh so yeah the th- thing that it comes down to is that the latest instruction or the latest promise i guess the kaiju number 15 was given was if she can kill kikoru then yeah i'm sure i can love you this fucking asshole uh, and yeah, that's the kind of approach that she took with it, which is like, yeah, this way daddy will acknowledge me. But then, you know, as Kikoro looks down at her and is like crying because like she's like experiencing the emotions that, that number 15 has been through this entire time. Uh, number 15 says, you know, actually like us being linked this way made me realize something. Your daddy was hard on you because he loved you. My daddy's different. I'm nothing more than a pawn to him. And she is full on bawling crying tears streaming down her face which is by the way the only part of it that exists because she's just ahead <laughs> it's decapitated yeah uh and uh, she starts to fade away like that one demon and demon slayer while crying uh and uh, she says like I'm about to die daddy and despite that as I lie here you still refuse to look at me and it's like well and she just like turns fully into just a little brain head thing uh and is just dead uh and it, it sits there in silence for a second. And Kikoro says, all right, you took a lot of people's lives. I feel no affection for you. But I'll make sure to punch number nine right in the face on your behalf. Bam. It's like, it's like all right. It's a pretty good reaction to that. It's like, look, you sucked. Mm-hmm. But that is but it is un- messed it, up. It, it, I will, it, I will, I will beat that guy up. That's fucked up that he did that. You suck. But it was very uncouth that he gave you human intelligence and, and, and like needs like a daughter would have, and then <laughs> deprived you of any affection. That is, yep. that is kind of twisted. Uh, so there's a, a brief uh, celebration uh, for the Kaiju Defense Corps because hey, number fifteen's been defeated. Kikoru won uh, in a way that they desperately needed. Uh, and uh, so now they're like, all right, well, oh, shit, a report from Sumida. Uh, number 11 is still fighting. That's the water one uh, that uh, the captain, I keep on forgetting his name. He's too important for me to keep on doing this. Uh, but the first division captain is fighting against number 11. And she, Kikoro gets on the radio to him and just says, hey, it's your turn now. Show me the, your, your skills, master moron. Uh, and uh, the captain gets blasted through a wall by a bunch of water, but then he just gets up and he says, all right, fine then. I'm going to show you that we're leagues apart, and he sweeps his hair back and his eyes start to glow in like a black clover-like way because there's a big-ass cross where his pupil is, Uh, and uh, I guess we're going to get uh, his fight next. Yay! Uh, I think, I mean, I don't know how I phrase this. Um, this is like a fine, cool conclusion to the number 15 fight. It kind of answers the question I had, which is like, why is this thing look exactly like Kokoru and no one, it seems to comment on it. No, the answer to why no one commented on to this point is never really answered, but it, presumably that all like this, she was like this one anomaly because she was designed specifically to kill K- uh, Kikoru, et cetera, whatever. Fine conclusion. Send her off. Wasn't a good person, but you kind of feel for her. Uh, and then we're going to move on to, I can't remember this character's name, Nizumi, something like that. Um, I don't care about this guy. I, I, think, I think it's Narumi. Narumi? I want to say it's Narumi. Um, 
I'm still at this point where I just don't care about his gimmick of like, yeah, my master moron and idiot disciple. I'm just like, I don't care about your relationship. I'm sorry. Um, but hopefully it'll still be like cool and action packed and we'll get to see some fun stuff. So uh, mm. I'm moderately looking forward to it. Should be cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's uh, cover uh, mission 79 of spy family. It's uh, we start oh, off God, at yours. So many chapters still to talk about. <laughs> we, we can do it. Quinn. Uh, it's, uh, Nick, it's I'm going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take a quick nap. I'm going to wake me up. All when, right, right. Um, uh, Kill Blue comes around. I want to hear your rant. Yeah, yeah, you'll definitely want to be around for that. <laughs> uh, the, they have to work late. Uh, your volunteers to like stick around with uh, the other like uh, secretary kind of kind of people, uh, and uh, they they go through that. And uh, you always kind of think about like, oh man, I I really need to like hide what I'm up to and, and everything. She's still really paranoid about that. They finish up, and then Yor says she's going to go home. Uh, but the others say like, oh, let's get some dinner together. And the uh, kind of quiet one that's got glasses says to your hey, are you coming? And she's like, are, are you sure? And so they go to the usual place, which your doesn't really tend to go with them ever because she kind of has no social life. This poor uh -huh. this poor woman. Uh, but they go out drinking and your, of course, immediately gets drunk because she is very weak to alcohol. Uh, and she's just like she. It's just like ah, talking, you know, talk, they're talking about, you know, uh, their love interests, basically. And uh, yeah, they, they talk about uh, about stuff and they're talking about they're kind of like griping about their partners. And then you're just like, oh, um, no, Lloyd's just kind of like really nice and organized. I've got no, no complaints. And they're like, there is no way that that is true. There's got to be something about him that you find annoying. There is no way that he is that perfect. It's actually kind of weird if that's the case. Uh, and so your just the conclusion of like, wait, wait, it, maybe, maybe it's like dating and marriage turns every person into assassins. Is that? Is what's strange about me just that I was a killer before I got married? What should I do? All right, I need to act normal like any other person who has become a killer after they got married. And they're like, oh yeah, sometimes I'm a killer right too. Oh yeah, like when I like my omelet a little bit sweet, and he's worried about my sugar, so he won't make them that way. Like that, it's it. Okay, I mean, it's yeah. kind of weird that you want to kill him over that, Yor. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, they're like, no, I, I hate I hate stuff. And then she's like, all right, I've got to convince them. i got to convince them that I actually do have gripes against Lloyd. So she takes another drink and then has an entire sequence where she imagines going to uh, the uh, gardener to get a job, then going to kill Lloyd and destroying him, and then... Uh, <laughs> Having imagines Anya getting really upset about it, and then when she comes to, she's just standing in the doorway because none of that actually happened. It's just a fantasy sequence. Uh, a nice touch is that even during this fantasy sequence, she's slurring as if she's drunk because uh -huh. she is very drunk during it. Uh, and uh, she, <laughs> oh god, my fucking reader is all messed up, so I don't know where the next page is. She ends up getting you know home. what? I guess we should go to K Manga Nick. I mean, if this is yeah, what the reader's yeah. gonna be like, this is un untenable. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Is it gonna load this time? 
yeah, okay. So she goes home, uh, and uh, when she sees Lloyd, she's like drunk and you know flustered and just thinks about, you know, all the stuff that they've talked about romance wise. And uh, he just kind of looks at her like, "What's going on?" And she just kind of like loses it. And uh, when because they had also talked about like welcome home kisses and stuff. And she gets embarrassed over that because, you know, physical affection is very embarrassing to her. She falls over when she imagines that Lloyd catches her and she's like, oh, my God, is he going to kiss me? And she like backflips herself and basically just like somersault back bumps in order to get away from it. And uh, Anya's annoyed because uh, her parents are being weird. Yeah. yeah That's about it. So noisy when they kissy kiss. Yeah. Um. I do like your and I like and I like your getting more chapters, but I feel like this is kind of like covered ground for the most part. Uh, so and then, you know, if you're going to like show more of yours nights out, I do want her to just like spend more time with Damien's mom. <laughs> it was very intriguing. Uh-huh. It, uh, like the, the, uh, the premise of it is fine uh, of like your goes to hang out with her workmates because she's she's opening up a little bit. Uh, it yeah. just happens to be the entire conversation then is about their respective relationships, which is like, eh, I wish they could like talk more, but I, I you know, it's still fine. It's funny. Yeah, we, we it still feels like we barely know the people that she works with outside of they've got boyfriends and husbands, and that's kind of it. Uh-huh. There's one of them that I know you are spent a little more time with. Like there's the one that has that especially finds her annoying, but also taught her to cook uh-huh. like well cook one meal uh so anyway uh hey it's uh a kind of banashi time whoa rakugo time yeah rock let's rakugo story 60 only one side uh it's a signing event for hikaru this is about a triangle uh, that only has one side nick what Uh (laughs) uh-huh Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. And something that confuses me that much, I am absolutely not going to ingest. <laughs> uh, think about it, Nick. Only one side. No. Of this, it's a triangle. Only one side. <laughs> what is this Terrence Howard math you're trying to get me to go on? <laughs> Nick, I'm just saying it's a triangle. It just happens to only have one side. Uh, what if I took a triangle and I nope. opened it up and then made it one long line? That'd be a triangle with one <laughs> side. It would still have two sides. Uh, no, it have one side, Nick. I've opened it up. I don't understand what's so confusing about this. Maybe I should draw you a graph. Uh, no. I don't really have uh, anything here. <laughs> oh, my God. Hikaru Karagi is doing a signing event. Chicken hands with fans and stuff. And uh, who should show up? But, oh, my God, it's fucking what's his name? I've completely forgotten his name. It's tall boy from the Karaku Cup. Um, Do they say it like immediately? Oh, they don't. What bitches? Uh, it's nope. huh, something, right? Like Haruma or something or. <laughs> so. Uh, he shows up. Uh, and has literally <laughs> paid 3,000 yen, which is like $30, to get a book and just to talk to her so he can essentially mock her and be like, oh, you're, you're, you sure must be nice being a star and stuff. And Ikaru immediately kind of turns it on him and just says like, oh, wow, you seem kind of, yeah, 
You're not, you know, uh, squealing as much as last time. You seem a lot more embarrassed. And he's like, shut up. Don't talk about when I wasn't cool. And she's like, yeah, yeah. It's really embarrassing when you remember how cringe you were when you were younger, huh? Um, and, but then she says, yeah, well, uh, and that's why he became a Rakugoka, right? Uh-huh. And it uh, surprises him. And he says, like, huh, yeah, I'm surprised that you actually remember me. She didn't. Uh <laughs> She actually did. I think she she was referencing specific events. Yeah. Um, but she also says to him, you know, I'm surprised that you didn't join the Arakawa school. And he says, well, yeah, but if we were in the same school, we would essentially be on the same side. And I'd rather have her as my opponent. And the same goes for you. Uh, and he also says, man, I refuse to accept that we tied because they were they tied for second place in that competition. Karashi is what Akane calls him later on. Right, right. Uh, so uh, he says, like, I do admit that it was a stupid life decision. Uh, so it's a relief to see someone else just as stupid. Yeah, it's it's uh, over him receiving rescindments of job applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he is he is absolutely put all of his his marbles into this particular basket at mm-hmm. this point. Was apparently getting an angry call from his dad too over uh, not getting a more proper job. So, uh, so he he goes off uh, after they kind of had this sort of bonding moment of like, oh heck, we both actually are taking this a lot more seriously now. Uh, but as he leaves, Hikari says, "Nason, I started under my master last summer, and you're a newer student, so you should call me Nason." It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little power play. She's but... like, "All right, bitch." <laughs> Yeah, if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this. Uh, but he, he seems to find the find it. He, he has a little chuckle over it. Yeah. So like, all right, we all we all have our little giggles. I I mean, I really like this interaction between the two of them. I feel like it you know fleshes both of them out a lot to have them you know have an interaction that isn't focused on Akana as my rival. Basically. Uh-huh. Uh. We cut over to Akane, who has returned to the bar that she was uh, working at part-time previously uh, in order to learn about, you know, uh, catering to her audience. Uh, And uh, as she's, you know, doing so, uh, you know, the the workers there are commenting on like, oh, she's actually like really different from when she worked here last year. So all that training she must have been through must have really put her through the ringer. And of course, we get a little peek back of like oh hey remember when Akane was running around serving tea to the to the Rakugo masters and stuff uh so apparently that's good for you know running around people who are not nearly as demanding serving them drinks yeah uh and uh she only wanted a few days of shifts uh but they don't really know why she asked to work there at all uh and we immediately see inside Akane's mind as while she's working She's carefully observing the people who are drinking around her uh, because he's like, look, I need to play a drunk for changing time and I can't drink alcohol. Uh, <laughs> or if her mom <laughs> tried to help by just being like, come on, <laughs> just a couple of beers. <laughs> She's like, no, it's very cute. Um. But she got some advice from Maikeru, which was sometimes it's the Rakugoka who don't drink who are the best at portraying drunks, which is because if they can't, they can't handle their booze, 
So they have to have the presence of mind to watch those who get drunk and they learn the mannerisms that they have and that lets them play them more convincingly. Makes sense. Uh-huh. Uh, and as she's, you know, running around, continue work, she says, like, I feel like I can manage acting drunk. The problem is, how do I emulate the married couple? My Kero Anin-san asked me, what kind of Rakugoka are you? And he started training right after that. And then the question got dropped. And the truth is, I don't know the answer to that question. And the key to figuring that out lies in my origins. It's not just about deepening my own art. It's about learning who I am through my dad's art. But how do I figure that out? And uh, as she's running around, because uh, she's got to go and get some uh, green tea from the store, she runs into Karashi on the street. And she's me like, hey, what you doing? <laughs> uh, and Karashi's like, ah, and he hides something behind his back. And a guy's like, what you got? What you got there? What you hiding? What you hiding? What you hiding? <laughs> Uh, and it's the booklets that he bought in order to go and talk to Hikaru. And she's like, are you a fan? Are you are you in love with her? Shut up! <laughs> no, I don't want it. I don't want it. I just want to go talk to her. And they shoved it in my hands. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm sure that that was... Shut up! Um, but uh, she's like, oh, okay, well, can I see it? And so she... She takes it and starts looking through it, and there's you know like all these like like different kind of modeling shots that uh, Hikaru has done, you know, of like oh, office girl Hikaru, casual leaning over over a ledge Hikaru. These are all iconic tropes: office lady casually leaning over a fence of some kind. Yeah, uh, but Akane is like you know the, I'm only really familiar with Hikaru when she's wearing a, a kimono, which makes sense. That's the elite. The way you, she's been dressed the two times she's seen her. So. If you flip it over, you get two more iconic tropes of, like, Cat Girl and then, of course, Little Nas X. Uh, she just wears <laughs> one of the Little Nas X Met, <laughs> Met Gala costumes. Uh, everyone has that. It's just a part of your wardrobe. It's like a little black dress. <laughs> and then it's like, uh, you know, like, Hikaru at the beach, you know, something classy. And then it's like... Hikaru the Power Ranger. <laughs> yep, Sentai. There's always a Sentai one. <laughs> Boxer. Um, really just yeah. Fire, yeah, work. firefighter, but not sexy. Full gear. <laughs> Full, gear. <laughs> Full gear ashes on the face. They've been through some shit today. Lifting up an axe to chop a door down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's a worker, okay? You have to see every side of her. Nick, this whole chapter is about not one side. So you got to see every side of this person. Uh, beret art student Hikaru, uh, and and then uh, emerging from the belly of a dragon that she has caught her way out of from the inside. <laughs> Hikaru. Yeah, not to be confused with Ace Ventura crawling out of the butthole of the rhinoceros from Ace Ventura to Hikaru. These are all different Hikarus. She, again, she's she's a very talented actress. Ugh. Anyway, the realization she gets from this is like, oh, I only have ever seen this one side of Hikaru, and I'm trying to get close to my dad, and I realize I only really know one side of him, too. So maybe if I learn more about my dad, that might be the key to mastering his art. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is potentially very exciting, because yeah. 
Maybe we'll actually get to fucking see Akane interact with her dad. <laughs> it's only been a year since we've last seen him, so it should, I'm I'm super excited. Look, Nick, this is a great chapter, but I did draw a diagram. If we can go back to the triangle on one side. So as you'll see, right up here, this is a normal triangle. But now as a whole, it's slowly starting to open up until thus. Triangle of one side. I have explained it for you now. And of course, if you come at me with the, if it only has one a straight line right now, it is no longer a triangle. Of course, the appropriate response is ship Theseus. Uh, Nick, <laughs> so check and mate. That's a very different version of the ship of Theseus. Uh, you know, as the ship broke down, we just started to slowly just like rip just... it open. Nick, if the ship of Theseus broke down and you just wrenched it open into one long line, is, is it, it not, not still the ship of Theseus? <laughs> Vision looking at the other Vision being like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> no, hold on, let me show you. It just starts ripping the other Vision into one online scene. It's like, see, you're still white Vision at this point. <laughs> okay, all right, so... <laughs> blue box, blue box. <laughs> blue box. <laughs> Chapter 99. Uh, it's it's uh, still, it's now New Year's uh, time. And uh, so, freaking, oh, God, Taiki is all upset because he didn't get to talk to Chinatsu before she went off in order to spend time with her family. Uh, and, like, he's just zoning out while he's hanging out with his family while they play, you know, New Year's games. Uh, and he's like, it makes me think that Christmas Eve was a dream, but it's not a dream. And I haven't been able to talk to her. Maybe I can just text her Happy New Year. And then, and in the group chat that his family shares, his mom goes, Jiyasu, Happy New Year! He's like, no! You bitch! <laughs> Why does no! everyone do this to me? Jiyasu uh, says, it's snowing where they are, and so she's shoveling snow right now. Uh, and Taiki just looks at him and goes, oh, even over long distance, she just really makes me feel happy. Aww. Then he gets a, a message from Nishida that says, we're going on our first ride visit of the year. It's like, God, just get some other friends, Nishida, please. <laughs> the love of God, bud. You're codependent. <laughs> the next day, Taiki goes to meet up with the badminton club. Ayame is there, as is uh, Hina, uh, as is Karen. Yes. Uh, so, uh, and it's not the entire badminton team. It's just Joe It's the ones that we're, are named, essentially. The ones that are named, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Taiki says like, oh, hi, hi, Karen, it's been a while. And uh, she looks at him and says like, have you gotten taller? And Hikaru's uh, like, well, he has. And she's like, you're around him all the time. Of course you can't tell. But yeah, you kind of look, you look more like a man, Taiki. He's like, oh, well, thank you. Haru gives him this like sidelong look. Like, what do you think that was about? It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> I'm not interested in her. <laughs> uh. They uh, start to go to the shrine to pay respects, but Ayame stops by a vending machine, like, oh, I want to get a drink. Uh, and Kyo just comes up and is like, hey, I'm going to treat you like those cookies that you gave me at Christmas. They made my little siblings happy, so I'm going to return the favor. And uh, this is she, she's got kind of a surprise look on her face, like, oh, oh. Uh, and then uh, Hina and her friend come up and are like, oh, you're giving out free drinks. Uh, <laughs> so they end up with free drinks, too. Uh 
they start going to, through a crowd to uh, get to the shrine. Uh, Taiki is like, I don't really know what to pray for. So he just kind of goes like, health, love, sports, academics. Please make this year I can push toward my goals. Uh, and then they go to get fortunes. Uh, immediately, Nishida ends up with misfortune, which means not so good stuff. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go buy another one. And I'm going to keep on buying them until I get a super fortunate one. Uh, Taiki gets an even worse fortune, which is great misfortune, which, uh, if you're superstitious, means a lot. Uh, and he also runs after Nishida so that they can just keep on buying stuff until they get a super fortunate one. It's nice to know that if whatever force runs the universe looks down on you and says, this is your fortune, you can be like, but what if I spend another dollar? And immediately it overwrites what the universe has just told you with another seemingly randomly generated fortune. Uh, whatever makes you feel better, I guess. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, he, they, they go a few more times uh, until Taiki does get the super fortunate one. Uh, and it says very specifically in terms of advice regarding romance, don't hesitate. So that gives him something to think about. Uh, Hina uh, gets a nice little fortune as well. Ayame gets one uh, where she doesn't even care about the general uh, quality of it. She's just like, look, all I care about is what it says about my romantic prospects. And she looks down and it says your romance will be a thorny path. So she gets a new one, too. And they just kind of keep on going, I guess, until they're all happy with their fortunes. Uh, then she is like, let's go get some stuff from the food stalls. Uh, but as they're walking, something gives Hina pause uh, and Kyo notices. And he says, like, oh, it looks like you're kind of limping a little. And uh, he is like, yeah, someone kind of like bumped my ankle while we were in the crowd together. So I think it might be scraped up. And so Kyo says, OK, well, let's go over there and I'll, and I'll like bandage up your foot. Uh, and Hina says, like, oh, but everyone's but they catch Ayame's attention uh, and they say to her, hey, tell the game we'll meet back up with them later. And Ayame says, uh, sure, you got it. Uh, the Taiki is separated from the crowd. Uh, and uh, so she he starts like exchanging like texts. Uh, Karen pulls up Chinatsu on like a FaceTime thing and they start talking about stuff. And Karen says like, hey, yeah, I just want you know be able to look at your face while well, I wish you a happy new year. We're doing a shrine visit. Check it out. Uh and she also says specifically, if you're looking for Taiki, he kind of disappeared a little while ago. And that kind of bums Karen out a little bit because she's like, I kind of wanted them to see each other because she ships that. Uh, and uh, then uh, as they're talking about stuff, Chinatsu suddenly gets a text alert. And Karen says like, oh, yeah, if you're busy, I can call you back. Uh, and Chinatsu has just paused and Karen realizes it. And uh, the reason why Janasu was paused and she's kind of a little bit flushed is that Taiki has texted her specifically saying, hey, can you make some time for me when you get back? I'd like to talk to you about something. <sighs> so love seems to be uh, going on in a few different directions in this chapter. I think this is the most overt uh, sign that Ayame is starting to get a bit of a thing for Kyo because uh, it seems like she's getting a bit jealous of his closeness with Hina. Uh, and uh, at, at the very least, it seems like Karen kind of realizes that there is definitely something going on between uh, Chinatsu and Taiki. Yeah, everyone can, because he's uh, fucking super obvious about it. 
Yeah, every time he leaves the room, he just runs off saying, I do not have a crush on Chinatsu! And he screams, yeah. Uh, it's cute. I like it. Um, chapter 100, maybe something big will happen. Maybe it won't. Hey. It doesn't always have to be that way, but... It doesn't always has. have to be. Uh, it, Nick, it, let's talk about Cypher Academy, which was very mm-hmm. big, very important. Uh, had a, a lot of developments, and of course, has a great chapter title of Chapter 22, Always approach a code as if it's your first. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's a very weird twist on that, ex- you know, that famous expression. <laughs> Always, Nick. Uh, it's like writing that same pantheon of things like the one-sided triangle and the ship of Theseus. Stop uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> I will not let you gaslight this into being... <laughs> It's like an iconic thing, Nick. Hold on, I'm going to go into Wikipedia right no, stop now. Stop it, Quinn. <laughs> I'm going to create the show with a one-sided triangle. They can't stop me. Uh, so we open up this chapter with Iroha uh, doing some sweet breakdancing moves just outside the school by himself. And he is approached by the other three finalists for the uh, class leading private uh, exam. And there is a fourth wall breaky thing where an enemy, because each of them have like, you know, a big thing that says their name mm-hmm. and kind of a brief like bit about them. So like Tosha sizes a noble villainess with a conscience. And then there's anonymity requested who no longer has her glasses weapon. Uh, so it's just her her face and she's as she's being all playful and stuff. And hers now says class one A's only orthodox beauty, but she is still known as anonymity requested. Yes. So like, All right. Maybe we'll never know her name. Uh, I do like that. And she's she has grabbed it. her box. Yeah. yeah, like she is. She has grabbed onto it. Hmm. And uh, so we do get confirmation that Yuroha has won, but also that he submitted a notice of withdrawal from the academy, which Toshisai has with her. And says, says, is it true you're planning on dropping out? Well, by the way, the three of them are striking the most po- natural possible poses uh-huh. for this. Uh, and uh, Iroha says, like, look, I mean, considering the way that I won, I really don't feel like I beat you. And they all kind of just, you know, take a knee and sit with him. And Toshisai says, I guess that the way you won wasn't exactly void of suspicion. But Anonymity Request says, like, I kind of feel like I want to drop out after I lost to you. But if you're actually leaving, that's kind of a relief. But tell me one thing before you go. You said that you read all your classmates' expressions at the same time while we were playing. How the hell is that possible? Uh, and Yosemura uh, says, like, I'm not saying you cheated, but that does seem, like, insane. Even for us, it feels like it'd be easier to decode the 53 cards. Uh, and Yoroha says... Yeah, I mentioned this to Enchan already, and also to Yugata-san, although she pulled it out of me through torture, which, you know, I feel like he's referring to Yugata, so probably she was like, do you want to play a game where where if I win, you have to tell me? And he was like, no! And then just told her, so. Uh, But he says... (laughs) Okay, he says, (laughs) see, I was in the cheerleading club in middle school, and we used to go on trips overseas. And once after a tournament, we visited a refugee camp. And Tosha says, like, wait, what? And he says, yeah, it's the cheerleading club's job to cheer people on, and it's a more meaningful way to spend our time than shopping and sightseeing, according to our faculty advisor, who was influenced by a political cartoon. So that's the policy he went with. There's so many little details just being dropped just feels like you're a uh, timeout. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you, so your faculty advisor saw a political cartoon and decided you guys needed to go and cheer up some refugees. <laughs> uh, and Iroha says like, yeah, so the war there had been over for a while, but it was still uh, dangerous. So only boys were allowed to go. And since they all ended up getting brutally murdered by thieves, I think that was the right choice. Pause. But I was the only one they didn't kill because I'm a girl. And at this moment, I was like, wait, <laughs> has this been a double fake out this entire time? And Iroha is actually a girl that the heirs just assumed was a guy. But that's not the case. It is, in fact, a triple subversion where it's going back to the original subversion where Iroha kind of was presumed to be a girl just at first glance. And that was how he was treated by the thieves who murdered everyone. And, uh, yeah, because he was mistaken for being a girl because of his appearance, presumably he was spared being murdered horribly. Yeah, they dance around it quite a lot, uh, but it does sound like it was, like, not a good, like, it doesn't sound like it was a much better scenario that he endured uh, as well, because it was like, he I just kind of had to keep dancing until had someone to keep saved dancing. Me. Yep. Uh, and he says, and that's why I'm good at reading people's expressions, uh, because, you know, I couldn't even communicate with the people who, you know, murdered all of my classmates. So reading your guys' expressions was elementary and a vital part of life. So not only is he good at it, if he weren't good at it, he would have been long dead. So, ha! Um, and uh, Toshisai realized, like, that's also why you are empathizing with the cypher soldier in the video clip that you watched. And he's like, yeah. And uh, also that empathy of mine is why I'm dropping out of the Academy. Uh, I wasn't able to keep my promise with Kagoe. So I'll just have to do something for her without that in fortune. Maybe I'll just call upon that political cartoonist who told me I'd be safe here and tricked me into enrolling. Iroha said previously that his dad was the one who got him enrolled here. Uh, or forced him to be here. So presumably said political cartoonist is his dad, who he previously said was a character artist, which makes sense. Character artists and political cartoons run into each other a lot. So there's a lot there that we're just not getting into right now because he keeps just alluding to his relationship with his father, which doesn't seem great. Um, so Yasumura says, don't you want to end all wars, though? You said that. And, and uh, he says, like, you know, when I read my classmates' expressions during the poker game, it just confirmed to me why you guys are all here. In the end, before the vote, uh, the game was everything. I came here without knowing anything about the Academy. So forget being your leading private. I don't deserve to be at this school. I shouldn't be here. And he says it in his big, like, I'm the confident, calm hero. I've made my decision way. And Toshisai rips up his resignation letter and is like, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was never going to be accepted anyway. No, notice withdrawal is invalid. Uh, and they say, like, look, it seems like you don't get it. So let me explain. No document of this academy is considered official unless written in code. <laughs> <laughs> and the three of them present codes to him uh, to solve. And they give they make these big like one hand over the heart, one hand extending forward <laughs> gestures towards him. And they say, if you think the votes were everything, Yoroha-kun, then solve these as a parting gift and decode who we voted for. And Yoroha's like, all right, fine, then I will. And of course, they all say Yoroha just in different in different ways after he does his ice cold reading. 
not LASIK version, but we it know, is still LASIK version. I think it's still the LASIK because there's no glasses anymore. No glasses. Uh, it would be really funny if he was like, hey, it's not for anything. I'm going to use the glasses real quick. Uh, so he starts to get teared up when he realizes that all three of them are like, yeah, we we believe in you and we voted for you. Uh, and uh, you also and, and and the others say like, hey, it's true. We all have our own dreams and some of them we can't reveal to anyone. And that's why we want you to be the leading cheerleader who can pick up on everything we leak to you, which is this code talk is still very weird. That's kind of sweet. Uh-huh. So Iroha accepts the position of leading private. He takes a position, you know, at the head of the class to kind of like hold assembly over everyone and says like, look, I'm the weakest member of this class. He opens this thing. I suck. Everyone I knows suck. I suck. Everyone's, I know. I'm but... a coward. This is probably a bad decision. I really, really suck. I'm a bad leader. Uh... <laughs> I'm unreliable. Uh, no one likes me. Uh, I kind of smell. Anyways, thanks for picking me. Yep. And he's like, I, I'm putting myself in your care as much as I'm asking you to put yourself in mine. Then we cut away uh, to Kagoe, who is having some tea with some other people. It's the leading privates for all the other uh, classes of, of the first year. And they've all got weird gimmicks, too. And uh, there's a weird moment where Kagoe says, like, Hey, Class 1A's private is a boy named Iroha Iroha Hazaka. Get along with everyone, treasure each other's lives, and crack, crack, crack all the codes you can. And then they're like, what sort of code is that? I don't get what you mean by everyone. I don't get what you mean by get along. I don't get what you mean by lives. It's like, all right. And one of them just says, I don't get what you mean by boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um... That could be moving really, on. That could be really good or really bad, depending on what the explanation is. I I do find it very funny that it's like, oh, there's one class where there's like a good person in charge, and then it's like, here's what happens to the other classes where they're much more like cynical people at charge, and they're all just like, I don't understand what get along means. Is some kind of code? What do you mean by lives? Treasuring lives? It mm, doesn't make sense. Uh, there is a person here named Invalides Yonaki Uigusu, which, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah, so presumably we're going to get into some interclass conflict, uh, in the next stretch of, uh, Cypher Academy. Uh, I do know that a lot of people kind of get the feeling that, like, we're probably not going to end Cypher Academy in this run of new manga coming in. But it's probably not going to be much longer for 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 jump. It feels like. That's what but you never know. Now. You never know. You never Ma- know. Nashville could literally end in a month. I we yeah. do not know. So there's there is a chance it survives. We don't know yet. But we've got some new manga to talk about now, Quinn. Mm-hmm. We can do it. Do retry uh, chapter I'm one. Take a quick nap during this one, Nick. Okay, <laughs> it's about boxing kid in post World War II Japan. Now, Nick, you have me sold. Less the other part, but boxing, I am in. I can't wait to find out who the manga is of this new exciting boxing manga. It's Junkirarazaka. Nick, why does that name sound familiar to me and also fill me with a sense of dread? That's the guy who did Bone Collection. Bone Collection is ready. Uh, and I have to say, it's a lot better than Bone Collection so far. There was nowhere to go but up, to be fair. But up. I mean, like, just looking at the art alone, 
like if you squint, you can go like, okay, this does look like it could have been done by the guy who did Bone Collection, but it's everyone looks more human, <laughs> honestly. Uh, yeah, it's there's a kid who is in lives in the late, late, late World War II uh, Japan. His dad has gone off to war, and uh, he tries to you know fight off bullies and stuff like that. Uh, but he's just you know not all that strong. Uh, his name is Alzora, and uh, his dad told him like, hey, no matter what, keep your heart strong. But He's just not strong very physically. Instead, all of his strength kind of went to his little sister who puts him in the surfboard stretch when she's upset with him for getting into fights and getting stuff stolen from him. Uh, and, uh, you know, Akari tells him, like, hey, look, you don't need to be a super strong guy. Just be yourself and rely on me when things get tough. She literally goes and beats up the bullies and takes back the sugar they stole from him. Uh but, you know, while he's thinking about, like, no matter how weak I am, I'll be like my dad, who was a boxer. And no matter how much he got beat up, he would always stand up. And I'll use my strong heart to overcome all of that. Oh, God, a bombing run. It's World War II. Lots of this happened. The village is destroyed. Their mom is killed. Yay! They're orphaned and are war orphans now. Ah! It's a boxing manga quiz. Well, they haven't done a lot of boxing yet, Nick. Uh, things immediately just get worse and worse. There are gangs roaming the street, beating people up and just stealing their food. So pe as people, even though there's very little food to go around, uh, they've got no money because, you know, their freaking parents are a gone and b dead. Uh, and, um, as on top of that, uh, his sister has started to get sick. And when they go to see the doctor, the doctor just says, like, eh, it's just malnutrition. And they're like, it's it's that's not that's not it. She's got chest pains every day. And the guy says, like, look, just get going. And one of them comes up and he says, like, I've got some money. And the doctor's like, OK, I'll see you. And Ayama realized, like, what you mean, unless I've got cash, you're not going to give her a thorough checkup. And he says, like, yeah, look, do you expect him to care about every single death that comes across my way? There's so many people here and he's just one doctor. Uh, still very cold hearted. Uh, so in desperation, Ayama goes through like the rubble of their house and tries and manages to dig up, uh, this like valuable kimono that they were essentially going to give Akami to wear for her wedding. And it's like, okay, maybe if I sell this off, then we'll be able to get a proper checkup with that doctor. The gang comes by and beats him up and takes it away from him. And so now they've got literally nothing, but he gets, picks himself back up. He goes to see his sister and she has fully collapsed, is barely breathing. It turns out she's got tuberculosis. She's starting to cough up blood. It's very, very, very bad. Uh -huh. uh, but even in this moment, she tells him, like, look, you don't have to try so hard. You don't have to get yourself beaten up over me. If, you, if you, you're just going to keep on getting hurt, if you keep on picking yourself back up and going into trouble, you're just going to keep on losing things. Please, it's better if I just keep lying here. And Aoyama stomps his foot gets back on and says like no you can't give up on living i know that this world is full of hardships but you've got to keep going when things are at their hardest you've got to give it another shot muster up a grin and try to stand back up so don't worry your big brother's gonna make it all work out he turns on his foot dashes off to go and get his shit back from that gang even though he's just a kid and they are like five adults gets into a fight with their leader 
uh, and keeps on getting the shit fake beaten out of him again and again, but keeps on getting up until the guys are just like getting kind of freaked out that this kid won't stay down. And he remembers his dad, who was the same, not the strongest fighter, but always was the one who kept on getting back up and would eventually win just because he had this indomitable spirit. And I almost got that same indomitable spirit. And he's like, I'm just going to keep on being back on my feet. And it gets to a point where the gang leader is just intimidated by this kid who refuses to go down. And he charges in, clocks the guy directly across the jaw. He's got a very, very prominent target because his jaw juts down and knocks the dude fully out. Uh, the other gang members pull fucking guns. Uh, and then a you can't use a gun off. in a boxing match, Nick. I don't know. In one of those punch shots, you might be able to. Uh, <laughs> and give it time. Rocky Seven, maybe. I <laughs> uh, can't swing my fist so good anymore. So I promise, I'm just gonna shoot you. <laughs> Hold on, I can't. I, I can't pull the trigger with my gloves on. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, fuck it. I'm just gonna throw a grenade at you. <laughs> Two. Oh, I swallowed the pot I was supposed to throw. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you hit grenades. You got you got to just say boom. That's all yeah. that happens. To you. It's like a Louis Two cartoon, you know, the little rogue runner. He's so fast. So I don't know why the coyote <laughs> tries to eat it. He spends so much money on all of the Acme stuff. He could just buy dinner. Like, <laughs> it delivers it out into the middle of the desert. I, I yell at my TV sometimes. I'm like, stop spending money. Just buy a steak. You'd, you'd be, you wouldn't be hungry no more. But he doesn't listen. And then I get upset because I think it's the same one with the sheet dog. And it, you know, Adrian is like, those are two different characters in the literature <laughs> universe. I, I've never punched a woman before, but that was the clothes. You tell me that's the same? There's two coyotes? And she's like, well, that one's not a coyote, but I don't take that sitting down. With the nose color? Fuck you. <laughs> I didn't know that this was the place you were going to end up at. Uh, anyway, that transitions us seamlessly <laughs> into this eye patch woman who has shown up and fired a gun in the air to break up the fighting. Her name is Yuka, and apparently she's got a reputation uh, because the other gang members are like, oh shit. Uh, and uh, she says, "I whenever I take my eyes off, off you, you guys just get up to no good. I guess I didn't train you well enough. That aside, that was a good right hook, kid. Uh, you may not have, you're pretty soft, but you aimed right for that guy's weak spot. It seems like you've got a lot of boxing experience. And uh, Ayamo tries to brush her off, runs into her men, and she says, hey, let's take a ride. And they get into a fancy 40s car, and they drive off. And uh, he starts going like, look, if you're going to kill me, at least let me get my sister into the hospital. And she just kind of like presses a finger into his cheek and says, what do you think is the most important thing when it comes to boxing? And he's just like, what are you just, and they just, they stop the car, lead him into an underground room. And there is a big underground fighting ring where there is a boxing ring set up. And a bunch of guys are beating the shit out of each other. And she says, fighters put their hands behind leather gloves and they clash fists with one another in the simplest, purest sport around. And its simplicity brings great depth. Boxing can get you fired up. 
And Sayama's was like, yeah, so what? And she says, you're suited for boxing. You have a strong heart that refuses to stay down. And in boxing, that's worth its weight in gold. And she gives him several hundred yen. And she says, that kimono that got swiped from you would not have covered the hospital expenses. Uh, come see me again if that's not enough for you. See you. So he goes, grabs his sister, and starts dashing off to get her some medical care. And while doing so, Ayama thinks to himself, for some reason, ever so slightly, I started to feel courage swell up, and I felt my heart begin to stir. Oh. And uh, also, we see that Yuka has the same kind of charm that we've seen Ayama with throughout uh, a lot yeah, of chapters. Yeah, the little, well. the so little sort of... promise thing from his dad. Mm -hmm. So, uh... That is chapter one of Do Retry. Uh, it's an interesting take on a sports story uh, in terms of setting. Uh, we'll see, I guess, where it goes. Um, I feel like we didn't really get a whole lot out of the first chapter beyond just like, oh, that's, that's a nice little twist on the premise. A lot of people really, really like this chapter. Uh, I know it was discussed very positively in our Discord, and I saw a lot of that same reaction on Twitter as well. Uh, I don't... I'm not trying to be, like, contrary or anything. I, like... I felt weird when I saw that, because I was like, I really didn't get anything from this chapter. Um, it's fine. Uh, the lead is a little too just, like... Uh, first draft shown in protagonist for me. Um, and we didn't see enough of the boxing to know if it's going to be any good or not. Um, so I'm currently at a point where I'm waiting to see this develop a little more before I really put any direction one way or the other. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can see kind of where you're coming from. When the fight was happening, I was getting the impression that like, oh, maybe if he's just like getting the shit beaten out of him, how much he believes in this strong heart stuff. Maybe the twist is going to be that he needs more than that. And that kind of is what happens where he just happens to hit the weak point as opposed to just like, oh, he just keeps on getting back up. It's like, yeah, you need to be able to also knock the other guy out. Uh -huh. um, but I imagine that that identity will develop a bit more as we move forward. Uh Yes. Speaking of moving, speaking of moving forward, uh, we're going to move forward and leave something behind now. Hey, what? How do you know? Kill Blue, page <laughs> three. Norin Mitsuoka. Last time Ogami learned that uh, Norin, his classmate, may have some sort of connection to the insect that turned him into a kid, or at least her dad might have some sort of connection to it. Uh, and we get, you know, like a little bit of a flashback uh, in between him kind of like observing her and, and their class and stuff. It seems like she is a model student. Uh, she, you know, is really good in, in, in sports. She's good in school. And we get one thing in particular, which is that a lot of the guys are clearly drawn to her and are staring at her. And she doesn't appreciate that. Uh, there's a little bit of backstory in terms of what's going on with uh Misuoka and Misuoka's participation in creating the insect stuff. Uh, Ogami is still like hanging out by himself in the corner, not making friends. And Ogami defends himself when his uh, partner says, "Like, hey, you're still just being a loner." He says, "Like, I'm two generations older than these kids. If I were fitting in seamlessly, that would be weird." You know, there's something I always say, Quinn. Being a hitman means you never have to blend into audiences in order to get your target. You uh -huh. just always like stand out like a sore thumb the entire time. Yep, you always, because you're a killer. You always you're doing weird things and you're standing out. Yep. Uh, it's worth noting he he has given details so far that seems to indicate he's not the best 
the hitman. Like he, she's fucked up jobs before and things like that. So feels like we need more of a focus on that. <laughs> um, so he's like, look, this isn't the place for me, even though I do like, you know, doing the book learning stuff. I got to get to normal. Uh, so, uh, his partner recommends like, then you got to do what misery suggested uh, and just like approach her. So you can like figure out some stuff, get a lead. So Ogami just goes up to Mitsuoka in class while there's a break and says, Hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And she immediately just stares at him. Cold eyed says, Ugh, creep alert. If this isn't a, a, an official school matter, go away. So he's like, all right. So Ogami walks out into the hall with his uh, tutor buddy and collapses to his knees because he got put down so hard. He's like, oh, for a middle-aged man, hearing that come out of a young girl's mouth is the worst thing. Creep, being called a creep. It's like, yeah, that's the worst thing that a middle-aged man can experience. So, uh, and... uh, Yeah, especially when you, in particular, value what uh, teenage girls say. Uh, mm -hmm. That's a a thing. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, what a hitman would do. Value uh-huh. the opinions of middle-aged of, of young girls. Uh, so that elementary happy. school student said I was chuggy. I'm gonna go missed, home. And that's why I missed the target. <laughs> <laughs> when did she call you chuggy? Forty-eight hours ago. <laughs> I had to look up what it meant on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> but then when I did, I was so hurt. <laughs> It took me a day to find Urban Dictionary. You just type it in. Like, this is just... <laughs> I didn't know how to spell it, so I just cried in front of my computer for a couple hours. I never learned to read. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's happening. Ogami has literally like thrown himself on the ground in despair. And uh, the two girls that he helped out in, in the first chapter passed by and are like, oh, you were trying to like talk to Norin? Yeah, she kind of hates men, like, a lot. Did you just, like, never notice that? Uh, so they leave them behind. Uh, Ogami kind of, like, uh, they, they go over, like, okay, she's, like, a, this ideal student. She comes from a rich family. Uh, she's, like, tall and beautiful. And some of the other kids, the older kids, would hit on her. But she would turn them all down really hard. And she doesn't also, she has, honestly doesn't really fit in with the other girls, too. She's not a bad person. She just doesn't, you know, fit in. So Ogami's walking home, trying to figure out what to do. He passes by a ramen place and he's like, I'm going to have some ramen. And his partner's like, no, it's garlic. It'll make you smell bad. Uh, and who should be working there? But Norin, who was, you know. So she uh, welcomes him in, but then she recognizes who it is and is like, yeah, um, here's your water what do you want so he orders ramen with 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 egg and he's like all right this is awkward but i might as well eat and he's like oh it's so good it's incredible uh and then noran's like hey sir when you're done can i talk to you outside and so they meet up outside and after i guess noran's also like finished her shift and she says why are you here? I live nearby. There's stuff in the way here. And so he's like, you need to just keep this a secret from the school. I'm not allowed to have a job. Uh, you know, the ramen shop belongs to my uncle. And he doesn't actually even pay me. I'm just doing this to, like, help him out. Uh, and Agami's like, why are you doing it, though? Because I heard your family was rich. And she said, yeah, we are, like, really rich. Uh, I've kind of been blessed in a lot of ways. I know that, like, you know, on top of being rich, I've got, you know, 
I, I know them considered like beautiful and stuff, but my parents will sometimes introduce me to men who they think will be good marriage prospects, even when I was in elementary school. Uh, and they always looked at me weird. They treated me like an adult, even though I was in elementary school. And we're talking like marriage prospects. One of these guys has a beard. Like, <laughs> this is creepy. And she says it's creepy. Uh, and then she says, like, and then when I started middle school, all the boys my age started to look at me the exact same way. And it's just because of how I look. Uh, and that's why I want to run a ramen restaurant. Who is coming in? Who is this? You want to run a you want to run a ramen restaurant, Nick, Austin? Run a, uh, a ramen restaurant. Yes. Oh my god. All right. Yes. Good to know. Are you still recording? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> what do you think we do? Lovable. <laughs> Lovable. Uh, so she's like, "Look, I just want to run a ramen restaurant. I, you know, I don't want to just marry into some guy's family. That's stupid. I want to make my own life." by inheriting my family member's ramen restaurant. So, uh, and she specifically says that. I'm not <laughs> exaggerating. Uh, you know, he's, she's like, yeah, my dad's disgusted by high society. That's why he started the restaurant, you know, with all the money he didn't have. So uh, she just wants to, like, make ramen and stuff and serve it to, I don't know, guys who won't comment on her appearance, I guess. So, uh, you know, Ogami's like, you know what? You should do what you want to do. You know, being a kid doesn't mean that you have to live the life your parents have envisioned for you. Also, the ramen was really good. And she's like, oh, yeah, we, we, we're really proud of our soup stock and stuff. She gets really excited and happy about it. Uh, and but then they just, you know, like, hey, things have gotten a little bit better between them. They part ways. Uh, and she says, like, oh, don't act like we're friends tomorrow. Don't try to speak to me. And Ogami says, misandry mode reactivated. <laughs> Uh, and then, like, two steps later, uh, she gets pulled into a car and kidnapped. Uh, <laughs> this and... is almost a comedic beat for me, because it's like the conversation ends and then cut over to, ah! It's very amusing. Yep. So that happens, uh, and Ogami, like, collapses to his knees and is like, sheesh, what the hell is that? Uh. So uh, his partner's like, what are you going to do? And he's like, Ramen is the most delicious thing in the world, and I've got a tracker bullet in my bag. So he like dashes up a freaking uh, telephone cable uh, tower thing and fires a tracker bullet uh, and says that he's just using experience and intuition in order to calculate this shot uh, without math. So he fires it. It's it hits the, it well, hits he's, the trunk. He's using the one sided triangle technique. Yes. <laughs> you create a triangle and then you unfold it and you're like math completed ship a theseus and then you fire <laughs> uh so yeah he, he starts tracking the car and goes off in order to in, in order to uh rescue her so let me tell you about this chapter <laughs> <laughs> look i've made no secret of the fact that i have gotten really nothing out of kill blue so far this chapter actually just annoyed me and pissed me off. Uh -huh. uh, it feels like Tadatoshi Fujimaki has heard of this thing called misogyny. And then when called when he called upon himself to try and empathize with a person who has suffered from it, did not understand what they were actually upset about. The way that things play out in this, like, look, 
This is a girl who is has already realized that girls are treated differently. Men, women are already treated differently from men. In fact, are often treated as like a commodity more than an actual person in the world that they live in. Uh, has been treated that way since she was a little kid. And when she expresses distrust to guys who, in her experience, all look at her as if she is an object to be owned gets constantly accused of hating men and the only mention of gender-based bias in this chapter that is direct is Ogami after hearing her backstory explained to him and then being told like by the way we're not friends still calls her a misinterest like the, it feels as if at this point Fujimaki just is Ogami this middle-aged guy who is suddenly thrown into a position where he has to try and relate to a younger audience and is not successfully doing so i disliked this very much and was angry that this attempt to try and relate a serious issue was mishandled so badly so i hated this yeah i mean it's just like a very uncomfortable backstory of like hey uh even since i was literally like a, an elementary school child people have been treating me this way and then there's like this weird little detail that it's like and only unmarried men are the only ones who don't give me uh all these looks because they know i'm i don't know i guess they're like well i have a wife so no reason that to piss me off so much she says that her uncle specifically doesn't give her strange looks because he's married and the, the, what the <laughs> quiet implication is that is also why ogami does not do it is because even though he's divorced now i think uh but like if you were married you wouldn't for some reason be like well this 12 year old's for some reason extraordinarily beautiful because she's canadian <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's very uncomfortable and weird and gross, um, and I don't quite understand the thought process behind it, but, you know, she has a backstory, and maybe she'll learn that not all men, Nick. Not all men. Uh, <laughs> uh, of course, Nick, though, this was the third chapter of Kill Blue, and this is where we had to ask ourselves a very important question about whether or not we're going to continue to discuss kill blue going forward and i think the answer to this is obvious uh we need to find out if she is rescued so of course we have to continue to talk about this series uh indefinitely um even after it ends we just start up a solo side podcast called uh killing blue or a better name wasp stung the kill blue podcast uh magic wasp uh and then bada boom we'll talk about every chapter panel by panel literally each week will be one panel (laughs) i'll be like eh, not a lot happens in this one it's actually just a shot of the chalkboard looks like he's studying um chemistry no english he's He's it's, studying triangles that now have two sides. Yeah. Whoa. Sorry, one side. What, Nick, one side. Whoa. Whoa. Hey. Look, this one is One side of triangle, Nick. No, no, no. A Quit. two-sided a triangle is fucking insane. No, this is the philosophical quandary. Even if you limit a triangle to a single line, doesn't it have one side and then another side? You know, the one side of... Oh, the you're talking about the, the bizarro triangle. Yes, I mean, that does exist, <laughs> but only Mr. Mistleplix can help you access those. That's entirely <laughs> other dimension, Nick. That side of the triangle uh, has a little evil goatee. It speaks backwards. Yeah, it's a whole thing. You don't fuck with that side, Nick. 
Did you watch us? I thought you watched us. <laughs> I did watch us. So you should I mean, know. My, my, my favorite <laughs> part was when the one-sided triangles. <laughs> other half showed up. Exactly. And they were like, don't go to that other side of the triangle. That's where the monsters are. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, i vote no so uh <laughs> well guys i tried i did everything i possibly could all you kill blue maniacs out there kill blue kill blue attacks uh unfortunately i think you're gonna have to continue reading that one all on your own uh tenmaku cinemas chapter four hajime and tenmaku on the oh, town true blue killers that's what we can call them true blue killers is pretty good uh-huh. uh Hajime is trying to storyboard out uh, the movie. Tenmaku is really excited by this, but then he looks at some of the drawings that Hajime has made and is like, this isn't, the shore is not a fantasy film. What's with the weird planet? And it's like, those are skyscrapers. What's the spaceship? It's a car. Where are those sci-fi structures? Those are trees. He can't draw very good. Poor guy. Uh, but uh, Tenmaku says that on top of actually like drawing out storyboards, something that's going to be really important for them to do is site recon. They need to actually figure out where they're going to shoot stuff, especially because, you know, it's not like they can build sets for this whole thing. So they go out to Tokyo. There's a bunch of Tenmaku being like, holy shit, this place has changed in the last 30 years. There's a little joke where some of the dogs being walked can see him. Uh, and he's just like, oh, hi, guys. So it's, it's, it's nice because he's like, you know, really positive towards them. Uh, but of course, Hajime is you know, really, really concerned about this. He's like, okay, there's the scene set in Tokyo. Uh, Shimada, a third year boy in high school, is dragged by Nagisa, his childhood friend, into going to Tokyo on an errand. And as they walk around, we learn Nagisa's life story. So it's a crucial, it's a crucial scene. Uh, so you know, he's walking around. And it's like, okay, look, there's a problem here. There's this statue of Hachiko the dog, and it's supposed to be part of the scene, but it's always mobbed with people. How are we going to shoot something? It's not like we can afford to, like, get places that aren't crowded and stuff. How do we get licenses for this stuff? Are we going to have to do guerrilla filmmaking? I mean, if we do guerrilla filmmaking, how are we going to get these shots that we need to do? And eventually when they do, like, find a place where there aren't a lot of people, it's way far away from the station that they want to shoot the scene. Uh, so Tanaka's just you know pressing upon Ajme like yeah this is why you gotta do locations guys so you're prepared for this kind of thing and Ajme is again just like oh my god it's so hard to do this but as they're going around he happens to spot this uh, staircase and leads up to a walking bridge over the street and just kind of like sketches out this 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 rough drawing and he just kind of imagines this scene of Nagisa uh, standing on the bridge in the rain. Uh, and Maku looks like it and Hajime's like, yeah, you know, because like they're crossing a pedestrian bridge and I really like that scene in the shore. Uh, I've read it like 80 times. And just now when I saw this, I kind of just had this vision of it. I, I know we can't like use it because I mean, like if the characters get wet in the rain, it won't connect to the next scene. And Tanaku just kind of grabs Hajime's arm, just holds up the drawing and then he lifts it away. And he can see the scene the way that Hajime imagines it. He, like, visualizes the same thing. And this inspiration takes over him. He gets a surge of energy. And he just takes Hajime over, draws out, writes out uh, a new scene. And is like, look, I, I, I've connected them. I've, I've figured it out so that we can work around that idea. I just swap out the parts that, that I fixed. Uh, and so there's a new way to do that. And Hajime is like, wow, he just took this whim of mine and, and do that. Uh this will be a you know but then he's like wait it'll just make the scene 
even harder to shoot if we have to, you know, work in this rainy scene. And Tanaka's like, yeah, but it'll be even better than if we do that. Uh, and then as Tanaka is looking at Hajime, who's like worrying about all this extra work he just made for himself, Tanaka has a flashback of interacting with the director Shirakawa, who would, you know, like come up with these new scenes. And then he's he says, like, thanks to your stupid storyboard, I had to go and rewrite the script. But Shirakawa just said, I know you, Taki. When you agree to edit your script, it means you're excited about the idea. And Tidmaka just kind of like has a little smile to himself, reflecting on this as he looks at Hajime. Uh, Hajime that night calls up his friends because he needs some help scouting locations. Uh, unfortunately, his friends are busy. Uh, his buddy Akitsu is doing a band gig. The others are... So uh, Akitsu's busy doing a band gig, so he can't do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he also you know, makes a note like, hey, sorry, I can't help. Did you find someone to go with you? Or are you going to be OK on your own? He's just you know, being nice and checking out with hanging and uh, checking in on him. But he does so in the group chat. The second time the group chats have come up this week in manga. And as a result of that, Kurai hears about it and demands that they go do location sky together. So she's presumably going to be uh, it's presumably going to be the two of them doing location scouting in the next chapter okay yeah uh i don't i i think this is a fine chapter i think there is just inherently an issue with tenmaku cinema cinema in that uh because we don't know the plot of the movie these yeah. scenes don't really hit like i don't have the same emotion of like oh my god what if this scene was rain this feels very uh basic i guess i should say or, or, or um very detached it's hard to like feel anything in these moments so um this is fine i like the emotion behind like rewriting the script and all these changes and like tenmaku making his own little mark on the movie but um doesn't have the same impact when you don't actually know yeah. what that is in universe even if we had been given kind of like a skeleton of how the story progresses, like we know in very broad strokes what the movie is about. But if we had like some idea of like, okay, you know, this happens, then this happens, then this happens. But the only thing stuff we know is like, we know very isolated, specific things about the movie. We know instead of any of the conflicts around them. Yeah. Yeah. Still fine though. Uh, enjoying it. Having a good time. Uh, Nick, we have so many things to talk about. We're already running late. Chapter three one, chapters left. Chapter one fifty four. Mash all ma magic and muscles. This is Mash burned it, and uh, how could you? Uh, so Mash is back. Uh, Innocent Zero is like, all right, one last fight, and then he's like, oh, oh it seems like I'm finally adjusting to your heart. Uh, I can achieve further evolution, and Mash is like, you stole it from me. It wasn't even <laughs> yours. That wasn't very nice, you know. <laughs> uh. And Finn's like, yeah, Mash, he's the bad guy. You should do something about it. He's like, okay. And he, he kicks Innocent Zero's wand out of his hand. And then he grabs it. And he snaps it over his, his, his foot. And he throws it to the ground. And then he just starts stomping on it over and over again. <laughs> then he dusts up the pieces and hands it back to Innocent Zero. He's like, here you go. Uh, Innocent Zero is, of course, just like, what? <laughs> Uh, and then Mash is like, you magic users can't seem to do anything without your wands. He punches Innocent Zero in the face, sends him flying down. And Innocent Zero is just laying silently on the ground. And there's a lot of silent beats. And they're like, hey, wait, did anybody else hear like a really 
nasty cracking sound, and there's a little bit of blood behind Zero's head. And there's just like a thump thump, like it's like a dark as blood starts pulling out of Zero's head, and there's no life in his eyes. And Fitz's like, Matt, Mash, did you, did you kill him? And suddenly it's like, and he premise now, he's like, I, I mean, I know he was awful, but but murder and it cuts to mash as he's being arrested and there are interviews of people who have like their voice altered but it's very clearly rio grants uh and mash is just like i i didn't mean to kill him i oh and of course innocent zero is not dead he is uh expanding his power he's he's evolving into his new form the punch actually broke the seal that he was using to hold himself back now he has evolved into a new terrifying like sort of featureless uh angel form it is this big two-page spread it's very terrifying and he's like my gratitude i needed immense power to break the seal and achieve further evolution now i've reached perfection and he cuts over to mash who's digging a hole in the ground <laughs> with a shovel and he's like oh good i'm so glad you're alive <laughs> the body and hide the evidence like he just kind of like kicks the dirt back into the hole it's very very silly it's it's so dark it's very dark i mean it's very funny because we know mash has done this before with the vice principal where he's like i have to bury the body i don't know what to tell you stop it uh yeah um I love that the villain's big I have now achieved full perfection is just completely undercut by Mash trying to hide a body so he won't get charged for murder. Uh, yeah, good take. Very, very funny. Ah, uh, Elusive Samurai Chapter 108 Elusive 1335 Tokiyuki, uh, as it turns out is an oiled up boy uh, and he is in the midst of Takauji's army with some bells, tempting people to try and chase him Whenever they try and grab him, they just slip off of him because he is a scrawny boy who's covered in oil like, you know, a pig that you grease up for a competition. Uh, and he's ringing the bell to tempt them while going to even come this way and all this stuff. So everyone's like, get, kill the 10 year old. Uh, and he's dashing around between them, drawing a ton of attention to himself and creating an opening so that his fellows can rescue Yorishige. But and uh, he also drops in front of Moro now and specifically says, hey, do you know where Fubuki is? And Moro now is like, no, die. Uh, he, oh, I missed. He tries to do the double sword choppy thing, but Tokyuki just shadow phases away from him. Uh, he's getting dashing around between people so much that they're actually in danger of attacking each other, but he's easily evading them, the entire army. Uh, while trying to help out Yorishige, and uh, Yorishige collapses off his horse, Ayako and Shizuku manage to recover him. Uh, but Shizuku recognizes that Yorishige is on the verge of death. Uh, and she, but he, she thinks if he only had just a little bit more divide energy, he just might live. Yorish, Yorishige uh, is lying there on the ground. Uh, Tokyuki slides in uh, and picks up this curvy sword that Yorishige wields and force him to hold it and says, I'm sorry about earlier. Let's bind ourselves as father and son. And he wraps his long hair around the blade and rips it off so that his hair is cut. So it fulfills the promise that Yorishige would cut his hair later. And while you know sitting over him, 
Tokiyuki says, may the gods be with you, father. Uh, and she, he also wraps his hair around Yoshige so that its divine power will aid him so that hopefully he'll live. Uh, and then he runs back into the fray saying he's going to carry out Shizuku's plan. Yoshige is in tears of joy uh, as he goes. And my life is die. As my life ends, I gaze upon my child's smile. Where's that other son of mine? Uh, apparently he's alive too. Yeah, that guy that did, did vanished after he got the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, why wouldn't he be? Nick, come on. Yeah, he's fine. Uh, and then we get a little analysis of why of Toki why Tokyo is ringing the bells, which is that people are at this point like straining their ears to hear the rings, and he's always ringing them in pairs. And so as people like hear the ringing, then they strain their ears to try and find the second one. And then when that when it is about to happen, instead Gimba throws a freaking flash grenade in the air, and it goes off, and everyone goes ah, uh, and the entire army is stunned. And so uh, the Hojo forces surge forward to, atta to attack. Tokyuki dashes right back into Takauji, somersaults over his head, uh, and uh, lands on his horse, with which Kojiro has just led up, and they run away while he says, you lose. And that's the chapter. Yes. Uh, fine chapter. Uh, finally, an important haircut. Male character. Well, breaking the boundaries. Uh, it's fine. It's it's perfectly fine. Uh, let's talk about One Piece, Nick. Chapter 1082. Let's go and take it. Quinn, T-Bone died. Who was T-Bone, Quinn? So I thought you were kidding for a moment. T-Bone, of course, was the character that uh, tried to prevent the... I forget the name of the train. The Puffing... No, I don't think it was the Puffing Tom. The sea train uh. that they were taking to Enos Lobby. He's the one who stands on the track. Uh, he and Zoro kind of have a brief little showdown, and he got off to the side. He seemed like he was kind of a good dude, though. So it actually is very sad to find out that, like, he's dead. Like, he was one of the kind of cool Marines. Uh, so one of the more reasonable members of the Navy, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's some conversation over that at Navy headquarters over who the killer is. They have no idea. Uh, and uh, there's this kind of discussion of, like, yeah, times are changing. This is bad, you know. The, where we we were stabbed in the back by the citizens that were sworn to defend because it wasn't like some big huge person who did it they think uh and uh there's some people that like i know we've met before but i don't really know who they are in this uh, scene yeah otsuru is like i yeah, and of course it's, it's, it's sengoku sengoku I, and then i know the, him the woman She's the other uh, bondage-related marine female captain. Yeah, that would be why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tina the There's two of them. Right. Tina's the one that, like... She, she, if she touches you, she got... puts, like, shackles on you. Oh, okay. Yeah, she met... She was kind of, like, partnered up with, what, Django? Django and uh, Full Body? I can't remember his full name. Uh, full Body something. Uh, two very got... minor characters. Yeah, they got a cover uh, yeah, story a cover, thing. Cover yeah. story. Yeah, and so uh, he and they're they're talking about what's been happening. Sengoku's worried about like, look, cross skilled. We got to get rid of them. They're sapping the morale of the troops and weakening the navy. Do you know where Garp is? And Hina says like, yeah, a few days ago he said I'm heading off to save Kobe. I think he went with sword and uh, Kuchiku too. This is the first time that, that Sengoku and, and Otsuru heard about this. So like, what? what? What do you mean? Uh, we cut over to 
empty bluffs where Buggy is uh, rewarding a new kingpin of evil, a champion of evil, uh, some kind of sad old guy. Who oh, just, thank you. Thank you for the money. My family really needed it, sir. Thank you. And they're like, yeah, you eliminated a vice admiral, you evil motherfucker. Yeah, you're you're evil. Oh, yeah. You're so sick. I can't wait to see what dirty, dirty things you do next. He's like, yeah. uh, probably die of age on the way home, but okay. Thank goodness my, my, my family will get food. Uh, it's better than I starve, even I never get to see them again. It's like, I'm a pirate now. You never get to go home. You're great. <laughs> Uh, and everyone's like, oh, Buggy, you're awesome. And uh, <laughs> someone comes in, refers to Buggy as Baggy Flesh, which is just really random. Uh, and he says, the cross-scaled flagship is ready. Buggy has specifically taken this on, told Mihawk and Crocodile that it would be great. And of course, they've got a giant Buggy as the figure. And he's like, no! No! Uh, so Mihawk and Crocodile are like, ah, you want us to ride on a clown ship, huh? Meeting room, now. And, uh, immediately they torture him again, <laughs> rip his head off his body, beat the shit out of him. He's like, please just kill me. Um, so they, they're like, look, the utopia we seek to build is a military nation strong enough to resist any power. For that, we need overwhelming strength. And in order to buy, in order to buy that, we need massive things like wealth and power, right? Uh, if you kill me, yeah, sure. But look, if you call yourselves pirates, why are you chasing you after these small time goals? And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Are you, are you trying to, to just beg for your life? And Buggy says, you're wasting your time with these lateral moves, boys. You've heard what they're saying, haven't you? Red hair is making his move. And we rode on the Pirate King's ship together. But neither of us able to go to laugh tale with the others when you were young what did you want to be and uh we get a flashback from buggy's perspective of uh his time with uh shanks and he basically says like i knew that shanks had so much promise that i just gave up on my dreams then later on the day of gold roger's death uh buggy you know says to shanks like you remember what you said that you were gonna you know take your own ship to laugh tale and shanks just said yeah Change my mind. I don't feel like trying to get there right now. But I'll still be a pirate. Uh, and he offered Buggy to come with him. And, but Buggy was like, no! You coward! Don't tell me you've forgotten that you lost my treasure map. Well, I haven't forgiven you! So until the next time we meet, we're enemies! So it seems like Buggy just is not a very mature guy. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's always been antagonistic towards Shanks, but they have yeah. sort of a, a rivalry relationship. Yeah. So Buggy says, whether it's by fate or by accident, I'm on the same level as Shanks now. And if he's going to make his move, then I want to be the king of the pirates. He says this through tear-filled eyes with one of them swollen shut and several missing teeth. But it seems like he's actually convicted about this. And he promises Mihawk and Crocodile that they'll have power, wealth, and they're going to take the greatest treasure the world has ever known. And then they just beat him up some more. <laughs> and like, oh, look, are you seriously going to try and talk us into this? You've got no plan. You've got no preparation. Pirating is a business. And you want us to fight red hair and Blackbeard 
and Straw Hat all at once? And Buggy's like, no! We just have to beat them to the punch! That's the only rule with treasure! Finders keepers! Remember the passion that these words inspire! All pirates went out and see in search of this! And he manages to click on a Denden Mushi that is right next to where his head has landed, and he starts beckoning beckoning out to the crowd, you know, really getting them riled up by saying, it's like, what was the dream you took that took you out to sea? Are your souls crying out for meaning and purpose? Don't be cowards, soft and satisfied with the status quo. Reach out for what you want most of all. I've got your backs. Let's go and take it. The One Piece is ours. And Aww. everyone's like, yeah. He just seems so cute. He just wants Sarah. He wants stream. The One While Piece he- stream. While he is beaten the fuck up, and they're stepping on just shut up, shut up, Becky, shut the fuck up. Uh, but he gets all that out, and then uh, we leave that scene to ah, Quinn. <laughs> Please, I, I'm gonna note first and foremost, we, we've never met any of these characters. I, Thank you. I am not learning any of these characters' names. Maybe Haru, uh, Hiru, uh, because she might be. I don't know. She feels like she's the only one who has a design that like <laughs> has like an intention behind it. Everything else is just like Oda wanted to draw weird things or whatever. <laughs> don't worry. I'm Oda. sure. I'm sure fucking Gambo will show up one day. It'll be like not Gambo, but for right now, I'm just like I. I don't have more room in my brain for this series and its characters. These are all vice captains in the Revolutionary Army who are specifically different. I don't care about the people. They're general. Like, they're ser- like underserving underneath. I don't care about the Revolutionary Captains. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. So, it's anyway, we're checking in with the Revolutionary Army. Uh, and uh, so... Uh, also, Sabo has, has returned. Thank God goodness yeah it's uh, a big thing like holy shit Sabo's yes, alive. so Sa- Sabo is there and uh, they're like yay you're you're alive and Sabo says this ship is from Lulusia the kingdom that just vanished I'll explain later <laughs> <laughs> oh man if there ever was a catchphrase for modern one piece <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, so yeah he's gotten back there safe safely koala is happy to see him as in she tries to kick him in the back of the head and he dodges because eh, uh oh not back of the head it just looked that way because his goggles looked weird when he yeah. backwards uh so they're like oh my god you're alive sabo uh and uh betty says ah it's a real <laughs> shame what happened to your homeland lose your people but i hear you want to enlist in our army and they're like yes all right uh and then we cut down to where Sabo is having a meeting with Dragon and Ivankov. And uh, they, he says, look, because uh, they ask, like, look, can we tell the captains about this? And Sabo says, no, because if we do so, it would put their lives in danger. This reverie was a truly wild affair. I'll tell you everything that actually happened in Sacred Mary Joa. In July, so <laughs> it's why I mean, One Piece definitely has been like every chapter's been like, holy shit, there's another big world event happening, which makes sense. Uh, in three or four years, One Piece will finally be over. So, you know, we got we got to slowly work towards it, one way or the other. Uh, good stuff all around. Nick, are you gonna wrap this up? 
I'm ready. Okay. Yes. Uh, I want to just go real quick here. My favorite series this week was One Piece, and my cha- character of the week is Buggy. Uh, that's why I didn't say anything at the end there. I wanted to say it here. Uh, great stuff. Like, this is a really good chapter. Uh, this is super exciting. The world building is great. Uh, Buggy gets, like, this cool, inspiring moment to, like, revitalize his relationship with Shanks. Just great stuff. I'm definitely going to agree with you on Buggy. Uh, I, I mean, he has this big moment where even though he's really has no room to, like, make big proclamations, he is completely outclassed in every regard by the other two people he has formed this alliance with and he is at their mercy but he is still making these big declarations and has these huge dreams that he is shouting out literally to the to the to the masses outside uh it's i think the coolest that he has ever seen uh, honestly uh and it does make you believe that yes just the power of the connection that he has with the people around him make him one of the four emperors it's yes. it, it's this really actually did sell it for me as opposed to like ah isn't it a big joke how buggy has managed to gain this audience like no there's a reason that he has drawn these people to him and i believe that yes uh as terms of my chapter of the week i don't know i don't feel like there was anything that really really stood out to me uh i think that i'm going to go with Chainsaw Man, okay. uh, it was fairly quick chapter, but it was just, you know, a very quick, sweet bit. And it had a couple of really funny jokes in it. So that's all you need. That's it. The audience, by the way, picked Mashal as their chapter of the week and then agreed with us. Captain Buggy for MVP. Yeah, guys, that is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, we will be back next week here on twitch.tv slash royalty to talk about more manga. We will start hopefully a bit closer to 7.30 Eastern time. We were delayed because I needed to pay for a ticket to turn my computer on. Uh, and uh, so that was what happened. Uh, I didn't I didn't have enough of the premium. Uh, I, for a moment, I was like, Nick, you actually had to do that? That's crazy. I, <laughs> I was like, there I, we go. I, I can reimburse you. I had to pay a bunch of uh, I had to watch a bunch of ads yeah. in order to uh, get the the coins necessary in order to get Discord to update. Yeah, uh, so you you had that. to download Burge Mansion and make it to level forty seven before you could uh, open up Chrome. <laughs> and you think it's got to be quick, you know, because the first two levels go by really quickly, and then it turns out like, oh no, it's just like exponential this growth. Is, this gotta... is a couple hours. Holy shit! Yeah. Uh, so it's deceptive, and that's how they get you. You know, they, they, and then it's like, well, I've sunk all this time into it, but I've got to get no reward if I don't complete them to that yeah, point. So might as well I, keep going. And then you're like, I need more currency in this game, so let me see what games they're offering. And they send you back <laughs> to the first game. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll be back here on twitch.tv slash uh to know exactly when we're going live. Uh, just like join us on Discord or uh, subscribe to one of us on one of the social media things. Give us a follow and we'll let you know when we start recording. Uh, we would like to thank everyone who supports us over on patreon.com slash weekly recap to which you can check out or if you want even more weekly mock recap content. If you're not content with the stuff that's on Spotify, iTunes and weekly mock uh, and uh, video versions of the show are on youtube.com slash weekly manga recap, where you can also see an opening sequence made for us by Mallory Jack Stillitz and Winston Cheddar. And uh, artwork uh, for occasional tile cards is provided by Steve Mann, whose artwork you can check out wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet if you look under Steve Mann Art. We also want to thank NinjaX3i for maintaining the spreadsheet, the Google Doc, that keeps track of all sorts of different stuff associated with the show. 
records that we would have otherwise long since forgotten about, uh, as well as recommendations for future manga that we might consider covering. Drop in on your own recommendation if there's something you'd like us to talk about. Yes. And that is going to do it, everyone. Thank you all for mm-hmm. joining us for this edition of the show. Yep, I don't have anything else to say. I feel like we've informed you about everything you need to know today, that the coyote and the wolf from Looney Tunes were two different characters, but their nose color is different, and triangles have another side. It's dark, and you shouldn't fuck with it. <laughs> yeah, that's how they work. If I had anything else to offer, I would say it here, but I can't teach you everything. Uh, next time, I'm going to turn my chair around. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to have like have my baseball cap. I'm going to turn it backwards. I'm going to take my shoes. I'm going to spin those around. I'm going to be like, listen here, kid. Uh, we talk, and I'm going to teach you a lot of cool things. But not this week. I'm so tired. Spin your shoes around. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's what cool kids would do. Bye, everybody. <laughs>